here we go fall of 2020 this is the 1080 outdoors podcast land management series where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors podcast, episode 61, 62. My God, my brain is foggy from, uh, we're uh, looking down the pipeline here of a pretty magnificent week, my uh, friend Weston. Yes, it's, uh, it's an this awesome is what week. Dreams are, these are what <laughs> dreams are made of. Yes. And this podcast is what dreams are made of, too. I mean, I would say we're going to go over the week, weekly report here, obviously, in a second. 12th through the 18th, fucking prime time, mm. guys. Prime time. If you're listening to this and you don't have a plan to be in the woods this week, Turn it off. Yeah. Turn it off and don't listen because you're just going to feel bad about yourself. Yep. And I don't want a it's bunch of fucking terrible. sore losers on here. No. So here's the deal. This podcast, we brought in Richie Wilhelm and Tom Milsna. We talked to them the other night. They are a wealth of knowledge. They have killed some giant fucking deer. <laughs> Tom has two 200-inch bucks on his wall. Well, well, we'll, we'll call we'll call her <laughs> 200. I don't. If, someone's, if someone kills a 197, it's 200-inch or whatever. I don't yeah. care. I agree. Not only does he do it on private land around here, but he does it private land that he doesn't even have 100% control of. Like, oh, other yeah, people hunt it. That, yeah, that was one of the more We didn't really things. get into, like, what the hell he got in the water over there. But, no. Um, the, we go in depth. So, he's killed the, that many. Plus, his off years, he kills, like, a booner still. Yeah, just a nonchalant. W- yeah, 170 sounds shitty when you're killing a bunch of 200-inchers. He just slips the old 170 in there like he's not yeah. happy about it. Well, right, you know, I think, uh, and then Richie, I think Richie, I think he tipped the Booner scale last year with that double beamer. Yeah, um, somewhere around in the 180s, I believe. So we go. It's a long 80s. conversation, so buckle up and yeah. do this on a drive or something. I think it, I think the podcast is probably going to be like two hours long. Yeah, it's a, uh, but it's well worth your time. Yes, in my and in my opinion, was an observer. Yes, so we had four guys on two mics, so yeah, if some audio is messed up. Yep, so naturally. I took a back seat. <laughs> well, as you should. Right. <laughs> I totally agree. With with those three people, uh, Taylor, and then the two guests we had just going back and forth, I just kind of sat back and I would pop a question in every once in a while. So, yeah, it sounds a little weird, but. Yeah, we were slinging some beers. Yep. Well, Got a little out of hand there. Yeah, Taylor. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was not feeling well the next morning. No. I, we, I don't I, drink often. And well. Jesus. So you're talking I, you that were just, good of deer hunting just, stuff? Well, the, just the, the, the back and forth was oh, just... Yeah. I'm I pretty sure you drank one in about two minutes. <laughs> okay, what are you, a fucking... <laughs> well, you like keeping notes for me then? I, I think I had like th- three drinks gone, and <laughs> you were tapping tapping the old can <laughs> ready for another one. I was like, all right, well, Jesus, uh, here God, we go. We, we cover bedding, we cover how to hunt thermals, how to hunt wind, how to hunt different times of the year. Yeah, no we real structure just, to this. It was just kind of No, a, we go into it all. Yeah. And it's, like, we, I, like I said, you're getting information from people who have done it. Mm-hmm. Proven. Not only, yeah, they've proven it. They do it consistently. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great one. So let's get into the weather and the overall hunt report for this week. Ooh, what a ooh, what a beauty. What a beauty. Do you have the weather in front of you? Uh, I do. All right, when you list some of the, list the days off. 
So, um, probably we'll just, well, I guess we'll just start let's with go, Let's tomorrow. do days and then we'll dive into the best days. Okay, so Tuesday we got a high of 61, low of 42, Wednesday 66, uh, low of 38, Thursday high of 46, low of 30, Friday 47, um, low of 32, Saturday 51, low of 35, and Sunday Bring her back down to 42. And a chance of With snow. With a chance of snow, sleet, rain mix, but looks like snow. All right. Um, Here's yeah. the deal. I said, I fucking said, when this warm front passes through. Here it comes. Whatever we get, it's, it's going to be fucking good. And it, it is not letting us down at all because <clears throat> you're giving me a 20-degree temp drop from Wednesday to Thursday. That's and not only is it a 20-degree temp drop, it's a 20-degree temp drop. Or no, a 30-degree temp drop. Sorry. Wait, yeah, yeah. So at 4 o'clock on let Wednesday. Me right. Let me get this right. Okay. 4 o'clock on Wednesday, it's going to be 66. Yep. <laughs> when sunlight pops up over the hill at 7 a.m., it is going to be 31. What the hell is going to happen overnight? Some crazy shit. Oh, yeah. They're not going to know We're going to go do. from a pressure of 29.4, and it's going to skyrocket up to 30.2 by oh, Thursday my. night. Oh, wow. Is that where it's topping out at? Thursday night? 30.2, it tops out just into Friday morning. <clears throat> so, if I had to pick the best day, Thursday. Mm-hmm. I am leaning towards that might be my first morning set. So, we're looking at Thursday morning, <clears throat> known bedding areas, hoping they're on their feet a little bit longer mm-hmm. that morning. You catch them coming back in. Thursday afternoon, get on a good green food source, acorns. You can start even looking into maybe even some of those funnels and pinches that you hunt during the rut. Yeah. And then, uh, and you know, scrapes and rubs downwind side of them. And Christ, I mean, move right into Friday morning. It's still awesome. Mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, awesome. So in that, you, I, I'm planning getting four, probably four sits in during those two days. And we're going from a northwest pretty strong wind Thursday, which is another good thing for that morning sit because you're going to be able to get in. Quietly, because you got a strong wind to enter that morning. The wind will drop off in the afternoon a little bit, but it's still going to hold strong, so you can still hunt true wind. Probably don't have to worry about thermals that much. Um, Friday morning, we have a little bit calmer wind. So it goes from northwest all day Thursday, switches to like west, southwest, Friday morning into west, and then we have a little southwest, southwest. So it's going to be flirting between west and southwest, and then it moves into a south wind on Saturday. So those three days, you're going to be able to hunt north winds, west winds, and Saturday south winds, south-southeast winds. you got three days. Yeah. That's and a, then Sunday ain't too shabby either. Sunday drops off High of 42, low 31. Yeah. Plus you get a little snow shot. What? And that just cruises right on into the whole next week. I don't have three top days. Whole fucking weekend is fire, man. Wow. If you're a weekend warrior, amazing weekend. You can't miss this one. No. No. Amazing weekend. You just you can't ask for much better at this time of year. Mm -hmm. We will be getting there will be giant buck shot, and you you I guarantee you you're going to be getting um, some really good daylight pictures. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Weston's leaving this weekend. I am Saturday. Heading heading westward. Idaho. Oof. Weather Which looks is why I don't plan trips for October. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I just looking ahead, I was like, oh, sweet. Like, the whole week I'm going to be gone is going to be. Well, I still, I mean, I still have 
you know, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. Yeah. So I can still get three sets in. So make them count. Get a little aggressive. Yeah. And I hunted a couple, <clears throat> a couple more times last week. Um, I think after our last update and didn't see any mature bucks. Um, still kind of on them. I, don't, I haven't gotten anything crazy, but I'm hoping the next couple of days I get some good intel and I'm going to push in Thursday morning on something. I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'll probably hunt pretty aggressively over the next week. Yeah. Why Took not? last weekend off, got a lot of yard work done, got so the old got the chores shed, done. Get the shed cleaned out. Yeah, get the shed That's cleaned out. Shit, man. Ready for, ready for deer to get cut up in here. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh man, it's coming. And now it's, it's go time. And now this, it's, this weather coming time. ahead is kind of like. It's go get, time. Get your jacked up. Get your riled up. Yes. Yep. Um, other than that, I think we might as well just kick it right over to this podcast because. I don't even want to keep you guys waiting any no. longer. Um, this is a can't, like, this is a yeah. can't miss. Yeah, buckle up. I know it's kind of a long one. We kind of go off on tangents, but I think you'll get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have these guys back on in the future, too. So, episode 62 coming at you. If you are around this week, get out in the woods unless your legs are cut off <laughs> or someone has a gun pointing at your face and forcing you and your family to stay locked into a house. I don't know. There's not many excuses I'm, I'm going to let slide. I shouldn't have laughed at that, but I did. Well, here we go. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, and my God, get in the woods this week. Got to. One of our guests is performing uh, inappropriate stuff on a mic, and that's how we're going to start this podcast. You just listen to the intro. We don't have to get into that. I am joined by two of the um, probably best buck hunters I know in the area. First thing I'll say is both of you, I appreciate – both of your success, because it's obviously, it shows what's possible in this area. And we're not Iowa, but we have high potential. Hey, even a blind me. squirrel finds a nut. Let's <laughs> just leave it up. And we're in, we're in in the northern tip of Michigan, um, <laughs> recording this where we all hunt. And uh, so what I'll say is I appreciate, like we, we kind of talked off, off air. I'm a little bit of a control freak, have some problems. So if I see people doing stuff like that, I'm like, fuck, man. Here we go. Now I know my plan. Obviously, someone can do it, so I, we, I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys raising the standards, yeah. raising the bar. I appreciate the high level that you're putting us at there. Hey, man. <laughs> so we have here, go ahead and introduce yourself, Richie. Richie Wilhelm. And Tom, go ahead and introduce, introduce yourself. Uh, Thomas Milsner. All right. What do you guys, what do, you guys do? What is your... Uh, daytime job and then like what is your like hunting job because i this is a job i i call it a, a career because <laughs> there would be no other excuse for the amount of money and time i spend in it <laughs> tom you, you i'd like to hear your story well I, I mean i really only have a job so that i can fund my hunting habit that's truth it's similar to a heroin person yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but the response is much better usually yes oh yeah we live <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's close calls yeah but uh we'll take it no i uh i'm actually the technical services manager for a trail camera company oh man so you are you're in it then i'm in it all day every day oh that's yeah. awesome. sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad it's very distracting would you say you're on the back end so you're like in like the engineering side of stuff? yeah i work with engineers i do a fair bit of prototyping um, a lot of hardware mods but my my main part of my job is quality assurance and technical support 
So I have a, I have a good question for you then. Sure. Why the f- why does Cuddy Link suck so bad? <laughs> why can't they just make their shit work? Well, because they have a good idea. Tom, I didn't know you worked for Cuddy. <laughs> I can't, hey, I can't I'm speak. I'm not gonna get into that on the podcast. Jeez, that was that was inappropriate by me, Weston. You're supposed to stop me on shit like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I spent. I'm not gonna get into it. Tacticam. Hey, I, I can tell you right now. I probably have ten conversations a day that start out with frustration like that. I can sense <laughs> that tone in your voice, the frustration. I don't I get, get it. it. It's there. The, the, it, it, like, the information is there for them, right? Yeah. Like, the technology, everything is pretty standard. Yeah. It and, is. But just some companies don't just don't want to do it. Well, a lot of it's quality assurance, right? They, yeah, Cuddyback was a really yeah. great company. In fact, before I started working for Reconyx cameras. Ooh, we named it. I thought uh, we were going to keep it a secret. I was back. I, I was waiting. <laughs> well, you're fucking, I would brag on about it too. Well, best camera edit, in the market. You can edit that out, right? You, you can edit that out. <laughs> I mean, what, what's someone going to say about Reconyx? Not that it's not going to work. Yeah. And, you know, I, I never really even heard of Reconyx 12 years ago or whatever. And, oh, really? And, yeah. uh, you know, back in that day, I had plenty of other trail cameras and dealt with all those frustrations and, and I was actually, I was on Cabela's website looking at reviews. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to spend the money on yeah. a good camera. And I was pretty set on buying a Cuddyback. You know, back in that Yeah, time, they were legit they back were, then. Yeah, they were like one of the, they were one of the, cameras. they broke ground pretty yeah. much. Yep. Yeah. And and then I stumbled upon Reconyx and ended up buying one of those and loved it so much that I, you know, I, at that point in time, I was a poor college kid, so I basically maxed out a credit card. <laughs> oh, yeah. My credit limit was pretty Cabell- Oh, the yeah, Cabela's but, card? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe they gave me that fucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, they took it away from me a couple of years later. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I lost it, too. <laughs> it is, you know, there's just growing pains. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, cutting back. 500 Cabela's card. I didn't know I could get in trouble with that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Did. <laughs> no, they were good, just like a lot of other trail camera companies, and then they pushed all their production overseas, and... Their support went overseas and that's the core of it a, that's the core of it because yeah, it's such absolutely. a big china market and it became a volume game instead yeah. of a quality game yeah yep. well i mean look at amazon yeah. everybody's getting wiped out by just chinese knockoffs yeah just because somebody knows the good algorithm on amazon yeah that's a, yeah that's half of it now it's just yeah. marketing right so yeah. when you go to google and you punch in certain keywords like what pops up first and yeah if you don't have any experience or you don't have any reference anyone to talk to or ask questions then that's where you go. Yeah, and that's where we're at. We're, we're at that in a lot of products. I mean, look at the well, scent product lines. Look at the, I mean, it's it's all. Yeah, that's, I mean, the hunting industry in general is kind of that way. There's a lot of products in the industry that ha- they started out as nothing with hunting, right? And they had nothing to do with hunting. Ozone is a perfect example. Oh, yeah. Right? Ozone Love that shit, man. For, for decades. For and people got goddamn, uh, Somehow people got copyright shit on that. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it is. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's put a label on it and make money. And, yeah. And if you don't know, Let's get some legal stuff behind it, too. Well, yeah. Cover your... So cover no one can copy. So yeah, because no it's does. so yeah. simple. <laughs> yeah. And that's just how it is. I mean, that's... As a consumer, you just have to kind of be careful and, and do your homework and ask questions. And well, ask I mean, questions. yeah, if you're going to blindly go through life and just buy shit, you're going to get burned. Yeah. I went through that too. I'm still going through it because I'm a quantity over quality trail cam guy. Cause like you said, like for you now. start, you are for now. I am. Yeah. I, I, I had a goal that I was going to buy three to four reconnaissance a year. And I fucking, I didn't this year. Cause I went get down the, the cell cam range. Get the loan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have been better off spending, what I spent on Cuddy Links on 
I'm not. I'm not gonna get into yeah, it. Going... I'm not happy about it. Well, part of the one of the bigger issues with the Cuddy Link is they're using radio signal to transmit images. So you're getting a super small, like very compressed image. And obviously, when you're yeah. talking a, a nighttime. How good image, is the Recon XL cam right now? Oh, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, I can't. I, Those pictures you sent me the other day, were they cell cam pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just. Cam. I figured. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that that shit is just first of all cell cams are just ridiculous oh i was you know up until this point our previous cell cam was great but it was really it was it was designed for the security market we sell a lot of cameras for security. yeah that's where that's where you that's and and that's another key too that's why tactic cam's doing so well because they obviously there's something to do with you have to have a good backbone to go out and get the market research done and get the products in the in the market yep and I think that's that just for me sitting back in a business mind looking at the market of trail cameras in the hunting industry, there's cheaping out on market research, obviously, outsourcing, obviously. So if you have the backbone, Tacticam obviously has the backbone with all the cameras. So they have a giant pile of money sitting around every year from cameras. Like, yeah. well, let's shove it into more cameras. <laughs> and they have the technology. Yeah. And they're, I mean, and you guys have a whole security line that obviously fronts or helps pay for the, it, the, it balances the, it off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, you, this time of year, obviously, our hunting market is high. But yeah, that's the problem. It's a no it's a three month game. Exactly. So we kind of level we kind of level out that playing field and, and balance it out, I guess. When you're talking security and professional yeah. research, but at the same time, you, know, you look at the hunting industry, and, and I feel like a lot of people, especially company owners, executives that aren't hunters, right? They're just like, oh, I see a I see yeah, a way so, yeah. to make money here, right? Oh, yeah. They look at it and they go, you know, whatever. This we buy this camera this chunk of electronics from some supplier in china we brand it with our logo we put maybe, camo on it yeah maybe we put our own <laughs> camo or maybe we just like you know we make a few tweaks and make the case a little bit different but the reality is that about 90 percent of the trail cameras made right now are made in like three factories in china they all oh, come from I, the yeah. same same area they just i like went down i went down the case. rabbit hole i started one i yeah. tried <laughs> but let me tell you something about that you spend twice as much money on customer support oh yeah because it is because Here's here's newsflash, people are not normal. They're not kind. <laughs> if like, majority of people are not like you and I, we, they don't like they'll. If I buy something and it sucks, I'll be like, "You're a dumbass. You shouldn't have bought it." Yeah. If <laughs> most people buy something and it's not perfect, where's my fucking refund? Like, where's my money? Send me a new one. I bet there's some of these choking choking companies must be fixing cameras. I mean, oh, they don't fix them. They just throw them away. Right, they, they've got. Yeah, but wouldn't even wouldn't hours. even pay to fix it. Yeah, yeah exactly. wouldn't even pay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and six dollar camera. Why would you pay to pay someone twelve bucks to fix it? Yeah. And I, I won't throw other brands out there, but I heard rumor from a pretty reliable source that another trail camera company on the market actually has more money invested in their packaging than they do the actual camera itself. I believe that. Yeah, I believe it too. Yeah. Because we, you know, my email, <laughs> I've got a. A domain that's a trail camera domain right on my email address yeah. and i get emails all the time like oh i'm so and so all from china yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm yeah. a manufacturer of trail camera yeah. Yeah, i'm trying not to you know yeah it's a weird it's a weird life to be <laughs> oh i know yeah <laughs> but uh, like, but you get my point like, like we could supply you with x quantity of cameras at this price and like yeah that's how that's how i that's, that's how, how i quit being a cop i started a drop shipping company um and sold products yeah. So I went into the China game. Yeah. And it's a dirty, nasty, oh, it terrible place. I mean, you have to spend 
you really have because it's possible. Obviously, like it's possible to get a good product. That's that's the thing yeah, for sure. Like if you're in the business and you're get and you're making money, like they're more than capable of going to get the right. Like you can get it done. Yeah, yeah. It's I just mean, they're they're cheap. They're just cutting corners. We're, and, we're American made, but yeah, you know a lot of the components come from all over the world. Right. A lot. No one in the United States builds capacitors and resistors and well. Here's the deal. If a, we want to raise, price. if we want to raise minimum wage. And we want to have competitive products in a market, an open market. It's not possible yeah. to manufacture stuff and sell it to people and have people who make 15 bucks an hour make them. Yeah. Make simple little things. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, I, I, I don't have an issue. Some of us will buy American and yeah. other people can support the children in China. Right? They need <laughs> jobs too. <laughs> hey, Is that too far? I'm, I'm, I'm a Reconic supporter. I'm just not a purchaser yet. <laughs> like, I love not them. Not yet. What, what we always say, it's like kind of our uh, unspoken motto is that yeah, the other camera brands are just starter cameras. Hey, man, it's not a good look to get invited to a podcast and start pitching stuff. <laughs> Jeez. This so I'm, trying, I'm trying not to drop brand. This isn't a sales <laughs> cast. It's a podcast. What it is, by the way, call me. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a special run in uh, this week for Reconyx. 10% off. Use code 1080 Outdoors. Sure. <laughs> Just hit me up. There you go. I get in trouble all the time because, like, I, I'm good at my job because I'm a hunter, right? Yep. I, I, and, you know, like I was, I was trying to say, and then we kind of went off on a different tangent, but <clears throat> some of these business owners don't really look at it as, like, these are hunters. need They need a tool for this job. They look at it. This is how we make money. If it fails, whatever. Oh, so you don't get pictures of a deer for a week? Like, why is that a big deal? For me, it's like, if I don't get pictures of a deer during that peak time of the year, I'm freaking out. Oh, yeah. Like, that's information I'm that dead. I lost. You know, I've, I've had trail cameras stolen. I've shown up to cameras that fail. I, I mean, I'm testing cameras all the time. I'm taking cameras that, you know, we're making mods to and testing them, but I use them, and I still understand the frustration, and I it happens but yeah yeah man you go go check your camera and it doesn't work or it's stolen or something like i just lost a whole month worth of intel (laughs) and a lot of what i do a lot of the the bucks that i try and follow throughout the years i'm looking at annual patterns so if i lose a month worth of intel especially during october you know that's like that's a game changer yeah i'm done that's why cell cams that's why cell cams are so ridiculous yeah they're addicting Yes, they're not good, and I think there's an issue with them. Like, I don't feel great about it. No, I mean, cell cams the are next great. dilemma? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, so they're going to have to do something. They like, will. They're eventually. bringing, like. But, but, you know, cell cams in, in general, it's not like you're going to buy a cell camera, go out, throw it up, and kill a deer. It, it, it still has a lot to do with your setup, how yep. your property's laid out. Everything yeah. goes into it because what I tell, what I've been telling people for a lot of years, you know, cell cams have been around for a while, and they, people always ask, you know, do you think a cell camera is worth it? I'm like, cell camera is great, right? You get information, you get real time information, you don't have to go in there. But when it comes to actually hunting deer, all that cell camera is going to do, if, if you use it the wrong way, all that cell camera is going to do is tell you where you should have been a lot sooner yeah. than when you went out there and pulled that car. Oh, yeah. Like, Shit, I should have hunted that spot last Friday. Like, I, I, knew I, it. I, knew I have it. heard one story so far. The guy that just left here, his uh, uh, father-in-law did kill him this year. He sat up. He, so he got in a tree in the morning. Cell cam went off. He switched trees. Eight minutes after he sat, he sat there, he killed a I – I bet it goes 160. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is nuts. Um, the other night we talked about the last pet, last pet, last podcast, and I told you about it, Tom. But um, that half hour or forty five minutes 
from when that cell cam went off at 6.15, and I see a buck is 100 yards away, the one that we're there to hunt, it was just it was just nuts. Yeah. It was weird. And it kept going off. Like So we were like, okay, he's still there. So we like sat back and like chilled out for a second. Yeah. Like, oh, he's still there. And then like, I remember at one point it was like 20 minutes, no picture happened. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Where is he at? And why isn't the cell cam going? I'm like, I want to do live view. What the hell? And then he popped back at 645. He's like, oh, he's, he's still All right, chill out. We're good. We're good. We're good. He's over there. Wind's here. Like, we're fine. We're fine. It's a, and it's a tease. It really is. I mean, the, the trail cameras in general have changed the game so much. But when it comes to killing mature deer, it's an information game. Yes. Right. If you don't have the information, you're, you're going in so the it, line. Right? It also takes the inform, like understanding the information. So it takes to get into the point where you're like, I need to know. Like, I set this camera on the trail that's coming out of the bedding area that I expect the buck to be in with this wind. If he shows up or goes there in the morning, I can get him that afternoon. Yep. If he comes out, we have instant information. We're like, all right, next time the weather conditions are the exact same, we can go there. Like, that's what it is. Like, you're not you're not four days late anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, it only works in certain situations. Like, your setup yep. back here is is perfect. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That. Yeah, it's yeah. But I I don't have any setups like that personally. Yeah, you know, the, the way I hunt is them, not like that. Yeah, the, the way I've been running the cell cams this year and last year, you know, last year is when we came out with that new model, and I was running a couple prototypes, and I would basically take it with me when I'm scouting an area. Mm -hmm. And if I find that fresh sign that, you know, everything points to a mature buck, I'm throwing that camera up and then I'm just kind of waiting, you know, maybe a day goes by, maybe two days go by and all of a sudden he shows up like, okay. So you, you kind of go into it with a plan. You know, obviously a lot of those areas I've hunted already. So I kind of understand what's going. I understand where the deer move, but even if you're scouting completely new territory, this buck that I'm after right now is, is kind of a new area. I've never really hunted it. But you, you kind of have a plan, right? You're looking at maps. You're looking at how the land lays, everything. You go in there, and then you find the sign that you want, right? So mm -hmm. you're kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together. The camera, for me, is really just confirming what I'm seeing. Okay, you know, you can find a pretty big track from a 3-year-old, but I'm trying to kill a 5-year-old right? You know, or, or, or older. But you throw that camera up, and it kind of proves your theory. Okay, this is where that deer is coming from. And that's kind of how, kind of how I've always hunted is, you know, I've got a theory – you know, maybe I'm, I've got cameras here, cameras there. You have oh. your cameras on food source, easy to get to. Yep. And then you kind of come up with that theory like, all right, I think, you know, if this deer is showing up here at this time, he's got to be bedding in one of these areas. That statement up. right there is the issue. It, he's got to be. I get into the same problem. It's just like <laughs> politics. You get into confirmation <laughs> bias. So then you have a theory. You go into the theory. Like, I'm going to set a fucking camera up right here. And then this buck's going to do this. And if he does it, you're like, this is what they all do, yeah. man. Like, this is fucking just solve the puzzle. Here just we go. Dropping uh, out of the sky. Yep, here we go. Let me just uh, check my watch. All right, next time uh, weather's like that. Uh, but you have to be careful, though, because yeah. at the same time, it can be very discouraging. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing you have to remember is a camera's only going to pick up and, and take pictures of what walks in front of it. Yeah, yeah there's so much more that happens, so man. Much. How many times have you seen a mature buck skirt one? Yeah, oh, yeah. And you're like, times. hey, dumbass, you would have just thought yesterday was bad. Yep. I sat there yesterday. I saw that motherfucker pass by. Like, I yesterday was good. Five feet on the other side of the tree. Yeah. Just yeah, skirt yeah. it. Like, most yeah. of them skirt it. Yeah. And it doesn't – it has nothing to do – at least in my opinion, it has nothing to do with the – if it has a visible flash. No. I mean, that, that does affect it, right? But it just has to do with something different on on that tree. And those deer pick it up. A mature buck, like, like we were talking earlier, I mean, that deer has been doing nothing but surviving for five or six years. I mean – any living hey, look, creature. Brand new Reconyx. <laughs> mm. yeah, well, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, if, I, if I walk into your house 
and I set a Budweiser down on your nightstand, you're going to know it. If I left a Bud Light, maybe you wouldn't recognize it because you've seen a couple Bud Lights there before. I but a Budweiser, problem. right? <laughs> and you're going to know, hey, what's up? Who's been here? And it's the same with a camera. You know, obviously a visible flash is going to affect them a little bit more, but I was on stand, geez, probably 10 years ago. I was set up over, a, there was a little pinch and a, a gate, an old gate opening in the middle of the woods. And this, this buck comes in. It was a five-year-old deer. I should have shot him in hindsight, but he had, it was a, Big eight-pointer, one whole main beam broke off. He's just walking right towards that gate opening that I'm set up over, and there's a camera over it, has been for years. And this buck, I had pictures of him all summer long, and then he just kind of vanished, and I just figured he was out of the area. He's just moving along, moving along. All of a sudden, he just locks it up, takes 20 yards wide, jumps the fence, comes back onto the trail, and keeps going. <laughs> he just went right around behind that camera. Like, he, he knew it was there, and it was the worst thing That ever. is just – that is – well, that's why you just got so interesting. Like they, they just decide to be on too. Like, yeah. like they obviously loaf sometimes, and, oh, yeah. and they will walk. Like I, that's why I kind of got into it. Where it's like, if I get one on a blatant, like it walking up to the camera, it's loafing. Like one out of six times yeah. he's in that area, he's on the camera. Well, I mean, the last few years now, for sure, I rarely hang a camera that's at eye level. I'm oh, you've been hanging four, high. I put it yeah. as high as I can. If it's on a food plot, it. it from what I've observed over the last few years, it's like if you if you have the camera in an area where they can see it from a distance and they just kind of get comfortable with it, it's yeah. not a big deal. So if I'm on the edge of a food plot or the edge of yep. a field, you know, I run. Yeah, I got you on that. A yeah. fair bit of my cameras I run on community scrapes because mm-hmm. we can't legally bait in this area. We can't legally put mineral out or anything anymore because of the CWD regulations. So I run, on, run them on community scrapes, and that's mm-hmm. where I get all my inventory, really. Right. And in those areas, those deer seem to not care. But then all of a sudden, you know, as the fall progresses and testosterone levels rise, and all of a sudden that, that buck, you know, you've had pictures of him 40 different occasions on that camera throughout the summer. All of a sudden one day he's just like, Whoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, now you're watching me? Will not no, be around you. Not cool. Yeah, I'm not Oh, here. summer bucks are, yeah, it's not. Yeah, Richie, you were saying something. Ah, just at the end of the day, like, I mean, you just got to use it as a tool. Yes. Yes. You yep. know, like. Not a crutch. And Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, I've heard that and a couple times, but and, and every time you hear it, it makes sense. It's just like, it is a tool. It's the same with the scent Especially shit, man. Like when you stuff, go around it. It's like, yeah, all right. you go as crazy as you want to go. Whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever makes you hunt better, whatever it is. But don't think you're going to get one up on them. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't sit with something blowing right in their face. Like, it's not going to work. Yeah. Not with a mature buck. Yeah, no matter what you do yeah. for scent control, you have to play the wind. Like, oh, yeah. To. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, you know, that's a whole nother Obviously, that's a whole nother world. I mean, that, so that, I mean, yeah, it's a good one, though. It and is. We, we deal with it a lot around here because, so for people listening, we, we it, I would call this hill country um, and pretty steep hill country. Like, there's probably other hill countries that you can draw some um, form of resemblance from this, but we are in steep hill country. Well, I think one, one key thing to point about, point out about this area, we're in hill country, but you know, like a lot of people that hunt Wisconsin, maybe they're more familiar with Buffalo County. That's also hill country, like bluff country. Yep. But around here, the ridge tops are farm, and the valleys are pasture and woodland. And in, in Buffalo County, for the most part, the the bottomlands are farm, and mm-hmm. the hillsides and the tops are are where your deer habitat mm-hmm. that where that lays out. So when we're dealing with hill country, we're dealing with thermals all the time, right? So we have a I'm not gonna say an unfair advantage, but it is definitely an advantage because what happens when you go sit a food plot at night on top of a hill? Where your where's your scent going that last half hour of the day? It's going down, and those yeah. bucks use that to their advantage all the time. 
So if you if you go in there all willy nilly, again, it doesn't matter what kind of scent control you, you use. And I am like anal to a T with scent control, but I don't I don't do that because I think I'm gonna beat a buck's nose. I do that because if I go in an area and hunt it and my timing's off by a day or two, I don't want that deer to show up a couple days yeah. later and be like, save ya. Oh, he's on to me. Yep, he's <laughs> yeah. on to me. Like words out, right? So, so you think there's you you have that feeling that there's there you you uh, can get away with more sits, essentially. Yeah, 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 exactly. So this this I would say the other like the other reason would be like obviously like not possibly getting away with like does and like smaller bucks. Oh, I mean an old doe. I mean an old. Oh, you're done. You're done. You 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 could be in a latex suit and an old doe's gonna see you in the tree. I mean you've seen it. You're on the edge of a food plot. You think you're tucked back in the shadows, yeah. and that deer comes out 100 yards away, and she's right. She's looking right at you because she's, she's 12 bad years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she had these big donkey ears on yeah. her. And then the she, what does freak. she do? She doesn't even smell you, but she knows you're there. And then she goes and stomps around and blows for the next half hour. And, like, yeah, okay, I'll leave. What stays okay? in the field? Like, what stays in the field yeah. too? Yeah. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, she ain't going anywhere. Yeah. They're gonna let everybody know. Yeah. Like, all right. There he is. I'll just hey. I'll leave. Yeah. I'll just My leave. God. At this point, I might as well just Jesus, leave. lady. Let's chill out a little bit. Or just come a little closer. <laughs> oh, I know. It happens. It's, it's, it's um, at one point on my hate hate meter, uh, hen turkey putting was was my number one. And it's it's gotten those have passed it now. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I hate them so much. I think it's. Well, I started using blinds more, so you quit about. getting you quit getting hens to putt all the time. Oh, they don't. Yeah, they don't pick you out. What'd you say? Uh, just you know, beat another. You know, like you have a a deer that you want to shoot, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily the first deer that comes into mm-hmm. into your you know your set. So I think that's the hardest part is what are all these gonna what are all these deer gonna do that come by my set, you know, with my wind and right and, and this and that. I mean. Yeah, yeah you, I think I think I always kind of accept. Obviously, you're always going after the perfect situation, good in, good out, good wind while you're on stand. Except for I, oh yeah, I'm searching for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you're, but you always have you a weakness, right? Like you always have to accept that, like whether they get past you and some shit bad's gonna happen because like they get past you and your wind's blowing back, and then you gotta still get out that way too. Like yeah. that's the issue up here because we have all this top egg country that you. That a lot of times the way fence lines lie, Rambo. you get the access through. Rambo. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm telling you that that bike has been super slick for that. Like, yeah, those just, those so your your Rambo's a, a electric bike. Yeah, so like any electric yeah. bikes, yep. essentially Anything, you're saying are worth it. You know, there's quiet cat. Yeah, you guys are big on them. I mean, it, it's just what we kind of bought first. I mean, yeah, I, I, have, say a, we do I have a quiet cat. Yeah. So if you want to fight about it, well, later, and that's just it. At some point, we want to like try them out and really see what the better is. I mean, yeah. at, at this point the bike works for what we need it to do i yeah. mean yeah i mean you're talking get past deer quick and then be like ah you're gone you're talking about technology that's been around for centuries right a bicycle and someone just put a motor on it and a yeah. battery so so you don't sweat yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well, yeah, it's, a, it's an electric golf cart but you can hide it yeah but yeah. you know it is it it's worked out well for me in situations as well what you're saying like you got across an open field and if you it's in the dark, especially mm-hmm. if you jump on that thing and you're just head down and you go, those deer don't they don't really understand it. Eventually they will, you know they're gonna get used to it just like everything else. But right now it's like, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. You're going 20 miles an hour. And I see. I kind of see a headlight. I don't know. Didn't even make any noise. That was weird. God damn it. 
Yeah. So now you want to buy one. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to. Well, <laughs> you are. I mean, they should have almost brought I mean, it. I, for <laughs> no. me, if I was a salesman, uh, if I was a sales rep for him, I would have. God damn it. Anytime anybody uses it, it's just. Like, I know. I look at it. Well, it just I, makes so much sense. So, like, yeah, it, it it's does. almost better than trail cameras because you can just go hunt spots, get past deer that. You don't leave ground saying you have rubber hitting the ground. Yeah, well, like, that's the yeah. thing. Is it all? Uh, I wouldn't say it's better than trail cameras. Sure. <laughs> well, I have time. kids to feed. <laughs> no, but it, I, it's just another advancement in technology that we can utilize, right? Again, another thing that had nothing to do with the hunting industry until just a few years ago. Really. Yeah. But yeah. with, you know, in regards to trail cameras, like most of the time when I hunt, I'll try and get back to the farm early enough that I can just zip out and hit a couple of easy access cameras on the bike. No scent trail. You know, I'm still... I'm already like I've showered. I'm wearing mm-hmm. clothes that weren't washed with. Will you, will you put a foot down then? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I was gonna say you figured like that'll be the next one. Oh yeah, <laughs> just have a little kickstand. Don't even put Automatic feet on the ground. <laughs> well, you know, the, we've toyed with the idea of, and there's people that want it, but it, it's just not realistic. But a drone operation where a drone, you know, you can program GPS into a drone and just basically buzzes around and uploads all your pictures. But it's way more yeah, like the, than like a cell the, camera. Like, yeah, like the idea of like the <laughs> camera that you just have to get within 100 yards yeah. and it sends it to you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the e-bike is, it is nice. I mean, I, I bought one years ago and my justification for it was mostly in and out easily, easily enough. And, you know, a lot of times I'm hunting that. I'm getting out of the woods at eight o'clock on a Sunday night and I want to go yeah. home and see my family. So mm-hmm. I talk to my wife, I'm like, Hey, if I spend this money, I can be home like probably a solid hour earlier every Sunday night. She's like, well, if you think it's right, then buy it. <laughs> okay, we're done. We're done here. Tom, <laughs> wow, Tom she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, there's, there's a lot of advantages of it. Right. And in my style of hunting, I, at this point, I rarely ever hang stands before season. Because the farm that I hunt, everything changes so much. And yeah. as soon as it seems like every so you're just rocking year, a, a, mo- a mobile system. Yeah, I mean, last year, I think I sat 18, 18 different setups, and I carried my stand in sixteen times. Nice. What's your setup then? Uh, usually lone wolf with yeah. sticks. Yeah, yep. I just got that this year. Too. I ran a climber for a long time and I killed a lot of uh, deer I, out of it. I didn't know if you moved to this old saddle gang. Uh, you know, I've contemplated it because. I'm getting more and more into video stuff just for yeah. personal fun, you yep. know? And I, right now I carry a big lens and DSLR and it's just heavy. So it's just more weight. So I, that's the only reason I would switch to a saddle. But I mean, it's hard to beat a good solid stand, you know, lone wolf. You put that thing in there and cinch it down. And it's just rock solid. And it's so yeah, they're, but They're pretty awesome. But I, you know, Bob, before that forever, I ran a, a summit climber and killed most of my deer out of that. But I switched actually last fall is when I really like got, serious about the stand and sticks because the climber kind of it cost me a deer essentially last fall my first sit of the year had too much going on in september and my first sit was october 4th and i went out and that first night i had my number one target buck at 10 yards but it was one of those situations where again i kind of had an idea played that theory put cameras out proved the theory and snuck into the spot when i got in there it's like oh this tree looks nice i could cover these two trails but this tree is split about halfway up. It's split. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, you know, I want to go home to my kids tonight. I don't want to worry about the wind. Yeah, that's the issue. You always need down. a straight one, right? Well, that's exactly yeah, it. So I had, to, clear. I had to compromise and take a different tree and only cover one of those two trails. And that buck ended up coming in behind me. And we just, I mean, we locked eyes for 
five majestic minutes and <laughs> and then eventually he caught caught a little bit of my scent just enough to know what was going on and he just kind of turned and went right back down the hill and and he ended up getting killed a month later like a mile away but I, I didn't really actually know until later that weekend he ended up getting bumped he, if he would have come from where I expected him to come from he would have came across the top of the ridge and mm-hmm. that would have been set up perfect but he got bumped uh, don't want to go into too much detail but he got bumped by an ATV and came he ended up going down down the hill and then kind of cut up out of the bottom out of this escape route and so he was already on edge so that's another thing too do you think you were in the right spot then i was yeah i was definitely he would have come that way i think he would have come across the top of the top of the ridge if he hadn't got bumped because where that atv went and basically drove along the edge of his bedding area and pushed him down the bottom and then he turned and just kind of went mm-hmm. out in the valley and came back up yeah. it but hey you don't know right that's all again you come up with those theories and you try and prove them but it is what it is but after that day I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to sticks because I can get in any tree now. And it's just a little easier to hide. And the other thing that's nice too, so I actually run, because I'm hunting, I hunt a mixture of private and public public land. But when I'm hunting private, you know, I run two sets of stands and sticks because if I get in a good spot, then, then I can just leave the set, right? You know, yeah. You know, especially if I get in there during, you know, November or something where I plan on being in there for a few days, a couple all-day sits or something. And those all-day sits are very taxing and the last thing you want to do at the end of the day is pull the whole stuff well it's it's the worst so. it's the worst part of it yeah. it absolutely is the worst part yeah. having to take all that shit out at dark it's a lot of extra work <clears throat> it is for sure but, but you get virgin sits over and over again yes. that is the well that, that's yeah, the name of the game you hear people say it all the time your first sit-in is your best yes. sit right and even if it's a different like a 20 yard different tree yeah that's exactly it and you talk to guys a lot of times that would be like well if i would have been over here or you know i sat here tonight and that those deer crossed the fence down there and well you're in a ladder stand right it's yeah. it's hard to move those obviously if you get a ladder stand or a permanent setup and something like you have back here with a food plot and your travel corridors are, are distinguished right. and everything it's, that's different scenario but when you're well yeah then you the have top. to be really really aggressive on your in and out like yeah. like this i have to have like mm, 10 foot tall weeds or or grass has a really small mowed trail that you can get in and out and like it's nothing compared to like a first time set. Yeah. Like you gotta almost I almost assume now when I get in like I have a lot of ladder stands right now too and I almost assume like if I sit there once, like you can't it sucks. Like you better it's like really only come back during the rut then because yeah. you almost have to like and I like doing like the night morning double back, mm-hmm. you know, hoping that maybe he didn't come around yet. And you get him on a virgin idea, like his virgin time in that area, and you get two sits out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, so that goes back to the scent control. Yeah. Right? He's like, once that deer is in that area and he smells something different, he knows something's up. Yeah, you're making me probably take it more seriously. That's right. I mean, <laughs> it's it. It doesn't hurt. I've gotten to the point where I don't do much. I mean, I've I've killed plenty of deer doing nothing. You know, I many times that I'd be working at home. I grew up on a farm and. The end of the day, I'm like, well, I can slip out to this spot. Yeah. You know, 20 minutes till prime time, get up in the tree, you know, smell like diesel fuel, motor oil, maybe a little bit of cow shit. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it just seems like it's just one of those extra boxes that you can check if you Mm -hmm. have the time to do it, but don't, like, not do it if you're like, (laughs) well, Well, I smell. (laughs) But I got a really great, strong wind where it wouldn't matter. I mean, there's only so much you're going to fool on a big buck's nose anyways, and if the wind's good, I mean... It's something I, I should probably work back into because it was one of those things that like I I kind of ninety six, 
because or 86 because i uh i uh it's like it would wear it would wear you down when you get into like the oh, yeah. twenty to twenty five days, like it, or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's, and it's like it's another thing that wears you down. It's added it's like, time. Got a shower. Yeah. yeah. And my it, wife, if uh, my wife listens, and she'd be like, "Oh, we shower all the time." You yeah. Know, like, but it's funny because some people, you know, you see it all the time online, right? You have the the public land guys that almost mock scent control. Yeah. And then you have the private land guys that, you know. They're tagging every scent control brand on the market and every social media post, hoping that they're going to get recognition from it. Right? Yep. I'm kind of, I'm just like my mentality when it comes to hunting these deer is if I can do it, if it's going to put the odds in my favor, even just the slightest bit, right? Just a little bit, I'm going to do it. It's a time investment. Yeah, it adds a lot to the game, right? But yeah, yeah, that's it, weird. It's not difficult. It all comes. It, it's a mental game, Good man. Boy, if, you can, you. if you can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not showering saying. once a day is not a, not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's no, just one. It's one of those things. Like if you can, if you can get to that point, like it's you grow as a person too. And I've gotten way more anal about stuff just because yeah. when I, I was younger, like, you couldn't. You know, if I'm going in whitetail mode, definitely showering. If yeah. I'm in western well, yeah. mode, then it's kind of like. Well, then you do shit well, out there, and it's like. It probably even matters more there with all the thermals and yeah. like, but out there yeah, it's, a, no, it's almost impossible. Like just, yeah, it's impossible. That's a thing. It's like you hear elk hunters too. It's like it probably is really important there because like there's so much thermal stuff going on. But there. I think you know when you go out west and you hunt, and you're you know, whether you're in a cabin every night and you're getting one shower a day, or you're in a tent. In yeah, the it's not feasible. It. Yeah, but it, it makes you a better hunter, and that's one of the reasons that I do it, and I know it's one of the reasons you do it too, Richie. Is we go out there to learn, right? We were talking earlier, like you try to you try to take these concepts from mule deer and apply them to whitetails because you can the mule deer versa, are, or sometimes. yeah they're more yeah. visible and vice versa. That's I mean that's kind of how we roll is because we're our bread and butter was whitetails and then we go out west and like <laughs> I won't kill a big mule, but I don't know yeah. that much about them, right? I, you know I only know what I've learned. You can listen to podcasts all day on on like tactics and whatnot, but until you get in the scenario where you can apply them, you don't really understand. Even in the area. Like exactly. we're talking about, like you killed one on an egg field. Like what, the place yeah. I hunted, the egg fields were, I never saw a muley on them. Yeah. And I mean. And last year it was the opposite where we were back up in like, uh, you know, the big washed out draws and open, open concept. Mm-hmm. And those those bucks, yeah, those bucks were way off of those fields before light. You know, they might have been using them, but it was one of those things where they were back up and you know. So I think it's I think to help. Let's let's get into um, specific hunts. All right, so let's start with Richie. You killed a a really nice mature buck um, last year. The double beamer. The double beamer. The double beamer. And that was so. Let's I guess. History you had with him? I mean, I can't say we really had pictures of a buck previous to that year with a, a big yeah, two beams. Well, yeah, that also could be know? a so So weird it's hard thing to that... say if we've had that buck on the farm. And the kind of slogan at, at that place is consistently inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> like, hard to, hard you to see match something one day and you go to try years. to do it the next, and it's like, no, they're, they're somewhere else doing something different. But. Yeah, the the double beamer was kind of a, a first time in. Annalise had hunted it maybe ten days, seven to ten days prior. I mean, it's a it's a water source that we have, so it's kind of one of those 
you know, just inside corners where we added water. It's a natural spot inside corner. Of, so we, are we looking um, like a south facing hillside that moves to like a west or east where it's a corner of like a ditch? That, a ditch just it's a that, big draw. Yeah. And then there's another draw that comes off it and up top is CRP and it's an inside corner to the the T of the draw. Yeah. If that makes sense. And it's super steep off the backside of it. So if deer are high, I feel like what we're seeing is that they're just cutting that corner if they're not really cutting the corner and cutting across the CRP. Yeah. They're cutting the inside of that corner. Like I said, we got water right there, which, you know, it is what it is. They're not, there's plenty of times where they're not using it, but it's just one of those things that, to me, it's a little draw. A ridge top with water, I mean, it kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. usually, typically, all your water's down in the bottom unless yep. you have retention ponds for agricultural runoff, you know, in fields and stuff like that. But um, that morning, it was just, it was like, 25th or 26th of October. Yeah. And you saw like legit rut activity there. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was early the, hot. That goal. was, I saw eight bucks that day. Like, yeah. it's not an eight buck a day farm normally. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. You, you, would you say that you just like stumbled upon like a hot, early hot dough then? Oh, for Cause sure. like, I, so, I they mean, always happen. They just, and yeah, that's, <laughs> but that's kind of what, that's when we kind of wait to hunt it too, yeah. unless something's consistent on water, which mm, I feel like they just, so use what, it. what drove you to sit there? Was he was he in your head um, while you're just walking I know out there that constantly does there and like I said you can it I just feel like when they're cruising mm-hmm. they're cruising that so you blowing that, your wind out over in that steep yeah behind yeah. me so we got a, you know your vulnerable spot is in the woods but you're hoping that it's strong enough where yeah it's get going it up to the over top of them mm-hmm. and sh- <laughs> he was the only deer that tried to go low of that spot. Of I course, shot, hey, freak. Pretty much right where, if the wind would have been light, he would have definitely hit it. So, yeah. But yeah, I think he was the six buck that I saw that. So morning. was he your idea when you were heading in there? Number one. I mean, yeah, but at you the didn't same have, time, so you didn't I, have like saw like no, a lot of history. That with wasn't him. Like, the reason I was. Yeah. It wasn't the reason, but it, you know, like that. You knew it was always, possible, yeah, but it I wasn't mean, like. It was, I, I didn't know it was possible. <laughs> it wasn't like a choking picture were, like two days ago or whatever. There was a 1% chance, you know, like, hey, that's good <laughs> enough. That's good enough. So I mean, you're so you're saying, exactly. I mean, when it gets to that, be to that time of year, yeah. and I think it was 30 degrees that morning, middle of, yeah, frosty. like I said, like 25th or 26th of October, like yeah, you can't beat that. a huge cold front, like mm-hmm. even if they're not on a hot dough, they're going to be on their feet. Is that your first morning set? Yeah. Yeah. Basically because, you know, kind of did the Western thing and kind of burn up a lot of I find vacation it, time and self I have found it hard to commit to a morning sit so far because I just haven't seen it. Although the last, this last little moon phase this last week. feeling of like, this is where I need to be and when I need to be there. I mean, yeah. if you have a buck that's consistent into an area, like... They're super patternable right now. I mean, yeah. it, unless a food source is changing, like, you know, and this is just, you know, my idea on it. Well, that's know, why you're here. Knowledge. We want your idea. You, you know, over time and stuff like that where you just keep compiling information and, like, learning every year with it all. 
Um, yeah, I kind of got sidetracked on that. But uh, <laughs> where, where was I going with that? Well, I think you were explaining your ideas, just your your general like thought oh, process and and why, why you sit where you sat one, there. Yeah. I think. Um, I, was, I mean, it was just kind of that time of year where it was like, all right, there's always does there. Yeah. Perfect. If the doe comes to the water, hey, maybe a good buck will be there. And it was just, yeah, it was the right day. It was the yeah, right doe that came through that area earlier. It makes you know. it makes that week hard because, you know, you hear a lot of people say like, like I would say my general tendency is to try to catch something coming back to bed there because you just hope that they're up later. But it happens every fucking year too. Like. That that last week, there's gonna be a hot dough somewhere. Like you might as well. Yeah, I I, really like I, I ponder that a lot. Over. Like, do I am I better off just like sitting the dull bedding areas like like or every day dough, you pick one because like one of them is gonna be sources, hot. You know where where you know that doughs yeah. are gonna be like. You gotta start. There comes a point where yeah. you're not hunting a specific. Well, before it was like you don't hunt pattern, you, but off of yeah. where the does are gonna be. Yeah. You know, and you just gotta <laughs> make up. You gotta make that commitment of like, all right. Going to doe mode. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good, especially for like where we're headed right now. I mean, we're getting into October, yeah. and it's like, when do you start moving into that? Because like, obviously, right now, like I'm not hunting in the morning until I know that motherfucker's coming through there to get to his bed. But that's also and he just, just I'm because just, you're I'm being conservative, he, though, too. Like, yeah, a lot of season ahead of you. Right. So you got a lot of steam, and you're like, yeah. I got plenty of time. But it, I mean, oh, if it just ever sneaks up. This really warm front just sucks. You yeah. know, I mean, it could be now, especially if you have consistent pictures of a buck in an area where you're like, he's got to be coming in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I get in there in the morning and the wind is good, like you just got to commit to it sometimes. With So when are you hunting your first morning this year? You got it, you got it in your head <laughs> hey, yet? Yeah, Annalise and I keep talking about this where it's like we went to Wyoming and we did that for 12 days. Yeah, guys, explain your season right now because you, you actually aren't, you have a weird season, right? You don't. You lost a lease or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, we lost a lease, but I feel like that just. Counts. But do you have an act? You have a good spot like around here that you can easily get to with a whitetail hunt. Um, I have a a smaller piece in Wisconsin that just you know it's just it's random. Yeah. It's metro, so it's yeah, it's one of those things. It, there's there's certain times when it's really good, and if I spend a lot of time and glass it and find some consistency, then it's you know. Then it's to me, it's worth really going at going in after a, a deer. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it so much kind of random activity in that area that yeah. And I I just I like hunting those more rural areas where I'm just kind of where it feels more like yeah. I'm, it's a weird feeling to be yeah. in town hunting. It's, it's not even really town. It's it's. I know, it, but you can probably hear shit. You can yeah, like hear cars. Yeah. Hear like. Too much People, a dog yeah. barking every now and then. Yeah. It's just like it distracts me. I'm like, ah, this is what I don't. I, I don't. That. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, giants live here. Oh, I've certainly had because I. I mean. I mean, you don't say no to the access because produces some really big yeah. deer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's kind of like you know they just get used to living around people. It's just. Well, they know the difference. They grew up here. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't have a lot of options, and it's a really steep hill, so the wind is always inconsistent like mm. <laughs> southwest isn't southwest you know at times where it's just light winds strong super strong winds like it's being aggressive at the right times yeah and going into those areas based off of hunting does yeah you're in a situation where you're a deer yeah. doing something consistent 
but I can't, we kind of put a lot of eggs in other baskets and just kind of let that place be. And, you know, we kind of been a plan B. I mean, granted, Annalise killed a tank off of it a couple of years ago, which is kind of how me and Tom <laughs> kind of became friends was my wife killing a big deer about the time you were like saying, hey, I would consider hunting certain, you know, this particular time of year with big cold front coming in and she dug into some winds and she's like, I think we should go after it. I'm like, no, it's not the wind we need. She's like, I don't know. She read Tom's post and she put, I mean, at the end of the day, Annalise killed that deer based off of a post Tom made and her digging into winds and being like, it's a marginal wind, but it's still doable. And it's exactly what it was. Yeah. The deer came. Oh, the, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a whole nother rabbit hole you can go down. I know, the marginal, marginal wins. motherfuckers. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole <laughs> They just make too, you get into it. Yeah, um, I don't know where we want to go from that because I went way down a different Well, no, it's, hole. I guess, go Tom, go ahead and say what your, re, like, I guess, what what was the situation with Annalise? Um, uh, it was, so, I mean, it was, so it was a wind a, that was like marginal, so you're blowing it out over like a point or something? And, no, kind of like towards it but it was below from where we anticipated it coming so mm. it was coming through this gate gap and coming to a, a, a cornfield corner and what happened was you know she's like if i have a southeast wind and this buck comes out of this gate gap it's still going to be below him and he's going to just swing right past it and feel confident as heck coming Oh, so you're like, playing that you beat you beat his nose by sending the wind over over. Was. Yeah. Because you were so high. Yeah. Well, not even because we were high because we were low enough when he came through where he did and I had weed Oh, you were low so the wind was sending back and he was above you. He was above us, but our wind was kind of just blowing below him but at him. Mm. So hitting the hillside? Sure, a little bit. I mean, there's a little contour and yeah, and you know, in the hill there. But it was coming. He was coming through the gate gap, and it was blowing parallel to him, but below him to where it was a dice roll. But the thing was super consistent to where it was like, I'm like, hey, yeah, you. So you, you picked think, it, you picked uh, up on a pattern in trail cameras that he was accessing and daylighting in an area yeah. with a certain wind, yeah. and you're like, well, we have to well, figure out a way did, to hunt yeah, that. He did yeah. based off of a post See, that I he made. Yeah, like just point that mic at him and let him explain what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that post, I mean, what a lot of people overlook, I think, is they look at a certain setup, certain food plot, stand situation, and you kind of have an idea where your deer are bedding, where they're going to feed. And in your mind, you say, this wind is the perfect wind to hunt that, right? Which is what we had, which was the complete opposite. Exactly. <laughs> but you really need to hunt an area based on the wind that the deer want to use the area yes. versus the wind that's just ideal for you. And obviously you walk that line. Like you said, you have to thread that needle with the wind a lot of times because a mature buck, he's going to use the wind to his advantage, right? He's not going to enter a food plot with the wind at his back. He's going to enter a food plot with the wind at his face. Yeah, but I mean, there's obviously certain times where a deer isn't going to be able to use it. But, yeah. you know, when yep. you're hunting them coming to a consistent food source, like you're saying, then yes. You yeah. Know, I mean, he's going to or they'll it. circle it. But, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, you, you just kind of have to think about the wind that – the reason why that deer is there is most likely because of the wind direction. Yeah, I mean, he's he's in an advantage. He's in control. So freak. you want to hunt that area based on the wind when the deer is going to be there and not just when it's good for you to hunt. Yeah. It. yeah. And which was what we were waiting for. We never had it. And 
then all of a sudden she's just like makes sense and i'm like yeah it does i'm like well you dug into it i'm like go do it it's the biggest it's the biggest hurdle you have to get past yeah is that you have to (laughs) you have to start hunting things that you don't feel comfortable with because that's why they're there marginal situations where you're like hey i feel like if i do this you know, with with the wind, like it's gonna be cutting it close, but you hear guys do it, and it's just like, well, sometimes you just gotta go. Hey, you gotta for try it. it. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to sit on your heels and and wait for a perfect scenario, but then it's not perfect for him, like Tom was just saying. Yeah, and that's I mean that's goes back to another reason why I run a mobile setup most of the time, even if I'm hunting private land. If there's an area that I'm kind of watching, mm. waiting for this deer to show up. And I go in there, and the wind is kind of marginal. And like you're saying, too, the way the hills lay around here, the forecasted wind is northwest, and you get in there, and it's almost dead west or something, right? You're not going into a stand setup with the mentality of, I'm going to get in this tree that's a predetermined location, and my scent's going to go here, and then all of a sudden you find out it's doing something different. You walk in there, you're checking that wind. Like, well, now if I set up 20 yards this way, or, you know, Am I in there in the evening? Am I in there in the morning? Yeah, well, yeah. Obviously, if you're hunting a food source, most of the time you're in the evening. But a lot of it has to do, you know, even the wind. We were talking about tomorrow night. There's a big wind change tomorrow. It's going to be a great time to be in the woods. But it'd be nice if there was a little bit more wind speed. Yeah, because it's like be two calm. to four. It's, yeah. It sounds terrible. Yeah, so if, if I went into a certain area, a predetermined area, and I was going to hunt it with a normal wind, you know, a noticeable wind, it might be perfect for, you know, a setup in, in this spot, you know, mm-hmm. whatever spot that is. But if I go in there tomorrow night and the wind's super calm and I can set up maybe a little bit closer to this draw where when those thermals really start pulling, my scent's going right down that draw, then I can control that. It might not be the best setup, right? I can't shoot as much ground as I want to shoot. You know, my lanes, maybe my options have have closed down to maybe one or two lanes versus... But you're giving yourself more opportunity in the future. Correct, exactly. And, And I mean, it really comes down to... What's going to happen when that deer is within 100 yards of you? You know, when that buck gets to within 100 yards of you, what's he going to do? Where is he trying to be? Like, where yeah. is he going, right? You can't hunt a mature buck where he is. You're trying to hunt a mature buck where he's going to be. Yeah. And how are you going to get into a position where you can put an arrow in the vitals of that deer before he knows you're there? And it changes all the time. And every, every situation is different. That's why, you know, you have the right setup and it just works. But other times you go in there and, and you know, you wish, oh, maybe I, I should have been 20 yards that way. And if you already have a stand hung and you're getting in there an hour before go time, it's hard to move that. I mean, mm-hmm. but you also have a bunch of pre-prep stands too, correct? Or not necessarily? Uh, I've got a couple. Yeah, I've got a handful. Most of them are field edges. Uh, but, you know, like my general style of hunting that farm specifically is, you know, those stands are in mostly observation areas. So sure. you, sure. you get in a spot yeah. where there's a chance you're going to kill a deer, yeah. maybe the target you're after. It's kind of like a scout sit, but too. Exactly. It's a safe in, a safe out, yeah. where if I get in there and that deer shows up, I can still get out of there. Uh, at the same time, there's, like I said, there's always that chance that maybe when he pops out over there, or maybe I don't know where he is, I'm trying to figure that out, right? At the end of the day, like I said, you're, you're trying to figure out where that deer wants to be. And again, when you're trying to thread that needle like that, if you don't really have an idea where that deer's bedding, you know, you're just like, oh, he's bedding over here somewhere. And I set up there. How many... How many times do you go out and hunt, or how many other hunters will hunt, and that deer maybe was coming into that plot, and he caught your wind, he caught your throwing oh, or yeah. something. You just never even know. Yeah. And that's just, you know that's just part of the game, I guess. But you kind of have to just. Uh, if I didn't do it over, yep. I'd taken that five hundred dollar Cabela's credit card, <laughs> and instead of buying, I think I bought like four or five stands because it's like 
at the time you want to buy like $60 stands. Mm-hmm. I remember I bought one year, I bought like $20. I found a $20 thing on eBay for three packs of fucking tree, uh, <laughs> like, like tree steps. Yeah. <clears throat> Noisy. Oh, they're, rickety. no, they, they, uh, broke, almost died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a small <laughs> human, man. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be fucking messing around with cheap ass shit from eBay. That's I'm just saying, if I uh, go get a $500 credit card, if you want to start hunting, and go get some a lone wolf mobile yeah. setup, yeah. and like yeah. just start learning it right away, because well, and that's it, See, I, right? You start, you hang that thing a few times, and you get good at it. Oh, yeah. The first couple times out, you're you're just like, especially if you just start hunting, you just accept the fact that that's the way hunting is. Yes. Well, and that's like, just it. I mean, I run a couple different. I run some, you know, some spots that will pre-prep, which yep. are just good spots to be. You know, at certain times, you know, kind of observation sips, but more or less just like good, I guess probably more or less good rut spots. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? well, like, you always have your good pinch points, yeah. right? The That's where all my like main stands are. I'll prep yeah. a bunch of, you know, like we're always prepping. And Allie's just list, if she listens to this, she'll be like, yeah, we're always prepping <laughs> stuff. Yeah, like, you're kind of an anal little freak, aren't you? Never for ends. sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. and that's good. That's why yeah, you have success. Yeah, but I'll just run like sticks and trees too with, with J-hooks. To where I'll just, you know, you can have a lone wolf that you carry on your back and you always just hang and bang, you yep. know, or, you know, I guess the steps are there, but you're just hanging the stand, pulling it, keep the J hook where it is. That way your shooting lanes are good. Like, so yeah, we're always, we're always prepping, <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, if you don't have a mobile setup, that should be one thing that's, on I mean, if you side. have the capacity when you see something happen and you don't go over and get that tree prepped at some point for a mobile hunt, like that's the next level game. Like you're hunting private with mobile setups. You can start prepping that stuff. Yeah. And that is just, the game. Like that is know, next mean, level. I mean, it takes so much work previous years or shed hunting and stuff like that. I mean, you can prep trees. It doesn't mean you're going to sit in them, yeah. but if they're prepped, it's one less thing to do. Like you have that confidence of going in after a deer in an area where you're like, Oh, it takes away the biggest disadvantage of mobile hunting. Yeah. I mean, easily, probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I've never, I've never killed a deer out of a stand that I hung before season, ever in my life. Wow. Well, let's get into some of the deer that you've killed. (laughs) I've never killed a deer out of a stand I pre-hung. I've never killed a deer that I've passed up in a previous season. I I just the area that I hunt is there's too much pressure. Yeah, I've had the same problem. It's hard to get deer year over year. Yeah, it is. It's it's this area is just hard to get a mature deer. You know, it's hard to grow a deer. I think this place that I'm at, we're standing at right now, it's going to be like one of those deals that like you'll be able to, yeah, because it's just it's different. It's like not as steep, not as big. Like some of the places we hunt is like such big woods. Yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? It's a pretty tight draw, but it it provides everything. Like we were talking the other night, like there's you a deer will bed a mature buck will bed in there on any wind direction, right? He only has to go a few hundred yards and he's in a good spot. Oh man, I used to get so pissed off. I'm like, how the fuck are you seeing deer for three years in a row? How? Yeah. How? I've never. <laughs> and it's like, and it's just, I think there's, there is pockets of areas that you can get, get that around yeah. here. And like in Iowa, I'm sure you can for sure. I'm like, here it's, is, it, yeah, it is. This, it this is. year, the deer I'm hunting out at the other place is the first deer I've had. This would be the third year of like legit hunting him. And I went back and like did find, I think I found him as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. in cameras. I like mean, I've definitely hunted like, deer for multiple seasons. Yeah. A lot of the deer. But, like, actually physically seeing them and then killing them the next yeah. year, like, yeah. see, even seeing them again. Pretty much impossible. Yeah. Last year, I mean, passing them up, right? Like, 
the the buck that I should have killed last year on my first set, I had an opportunity at late in the season, the previous season, but it, I just couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. Right? But you know, as far as like you know, sitting in a tree stand and having this buck come through and go, eh, you know, he's yeah, only not a four year old. I'd really yeah. like to kill a five year old. You know, it'd be nice to see that one fifty go to one seventy or one eight. Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah, and it. It's frustrating for sure, but at the same time, you just kind of said every. There's a lot of different ways to kill a deer, right? And and that's just kind of how I have to adapt to kill a mature deer is just be mobile, be ready to adapt to real time information, and and not expect that three year old that I passed up to survive next year. You just you you pass up that three year old and just cross your fingers and hope that he makes through. And maybe it's karma, man. Like pass one three and hope that four threes live, and it just. Well, that's can't even accept that you don't like i don't even look at him like oh i hope you see you next year because it's just like it's not even worth it <laughs> well, it's not well a lot of it too you know I've, i just moved a cell camera the other day and it's just kind of on a whim it, literally along the edge of a alfalfa field in the dark i i went back i hunted that evening observation sit didn't see a whole lot moved a couple cameras in the dark checked a couple cameras in the dark on on the e-bike like i said it's nice to just kind of in and out and uh, I was just cruising along the edge of the field. I'm like, I need to get a camera in this spot. And I kind of have an idea some bucks might be bedding in this area. This is probably the best food source close by. You know, there's four different trails to pick from. I picked a trail on the edge of the hayfield, threw it up, and the next night, three stud three-year-olds walked past the camera. One of them had 16 scoreable points. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah. why? Gross. <laughs> you know? Like, because I look at that deer and I just see the potential. In yeah. It. It's a great deer. For anyone to kill, that would be a great yeah. deer. But you can't kill a 145-inch, 16.3-year-old and then expect to kill a 180-inch, 5-year-old a couple of years later, right? And those are the deer that, you know, they blow up. And, again, they, if they survive that three years, then they get smarter. And you just hope That's that one thing I've, I've seen after watching deers for multiple, deer for multiple years, too. Like, multiple years, you can, like, tell that frame, too. Mm-hmm. You well, really there can. There plenty of time in my life where <clears throat> I was shooting that. 16 point well that's the thing it's like <laughs> oh hell yeah to, man it depends on your situation it, just right? graduate yeah. from it yeah, like yeah. you just grow yeah. as a human if you have a handful of booners on the wall it's it's one thing but even that like to me at this point in the game the size of the animal you know is it, it's a lot easier to get out of bed in the morning when you're chasing 180 inch deer but the reality for me is if i see that deer that deep chest and those neck rolls yeah. oh yeah like, oh, so it could sick. be a 120 inch eight pointer i'm just yeah. like that's the deer that's I want to go after. That's the problem. This fucking thing back here is like a stubby. Name him Stubby because he's stubby. Yeah, short time. Will score nothing. Wide. So like I've seen those deer. They don't really turn into anything. Mm-hmm. It's just big body. He's probably he's gonna he's probably gonna go over like two twenty. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, those, God, those I love those big body like yeah. like Canada deer. Jesus. And that's the thing that you kill a deer like that and you you spend the money for a head mount you put it on the wall and then someone comes over and they're like. Oh, yeah, that's a nice deer. Like, yeah, well, I wish I had his whole body. You, you don't no understand, idea, man. Is that a six-pointer? <laughs> yeah, have no idea. <laughs> oh, Jed's dream is, is a perfect six-pointer. I had one. I had big. With no – wait, he want, does he want brows or no brows? I think I think he needs brows, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And he, then he turned into a seven, and the neighbor got him. Really? It was still very impressive. I had a, a buck like that on camera. Just one night, he just – a random deer showed up. But, you know, those old school, like – or they're not even old school with the hand clay pigeon launchers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like the cups. Yeah. His rack was exactly like that. Just went up and they had like the ends of his beans curled up. G2s were probably like six, <laughs> eight inches. And he had brow tines. Just this, but his main beans were like 24 inches long. I, like, I want to kill that deer. Yeah. <laughs> and they you just, ever put your finger over a rack? 
Over the rack? <laughs> yeah, like on a camera, put, put your finger over the rack so you can actually oh, judge yeah, it yeah, for yeah. its body. Oh, yeah. I did it the other day with my cousin was showing me pictures. And I'm like, he's like, oh, look at that stupid, like, that should be like a nice young deer. And it's like a like a wavy, like, kind of weird rack. And I'm like, saw some more pictures. I'm like, dude, that thing is a fucking tank of a body. Mm-hmm. He's an old freak. You should kill him. Yeah, and that's exactly. But he has like he doesn't have mass. Like he's just a weirdo. That, that's why when you look at those pictures, you know, and again, it, it depends if you're you're trying to target a deer or you're just trying to deer hunt. Because if you're looking at a mature deer, you have to hunt them a different way. And I think that's where a lot of people. But to graduation too, like you just like you gotta get to some point where you can kill mature deer, yes. right? Like, that's learn. where I'm at. Like I have to know that I can consistently kill a mature buck every year, and then I'll start worrying about like, all right, if I want to start picking my mature yeah. bucks, I'll maybe we'll get to that point. Yep. Well, I, I mean, my my hunting level went up exponentially when I started trying to focus on specific deer every year. And a lot of that started, you know, what was it, 2012, when I had this buck on camera the year before, and then he showed up again the next year, and I was like, oh, this deer's in the same spot. Was it your first, like, year of, like, legit history with the buck? Uh, when I, it wasn't my first year of legitimate history, but the first year I really started like taking it yeah like looking back series. at all the yes, pictures exactly. you had him yeah that's that's yep and, that, and this know, deer it just in changes particular, the game i knew he was going to leave you know wh- what i see in our area is usually in the next seven days or so most of those bucks are on their fall pattern so right now they're still kind of in their summer pattern yeah, which is why that buck i was telling you about i, I have to make a move on tomorrow mm-hmm. the situation or the circumstances aren't ideal but you know in the next 10 days it's the best chance i have i feel but yeah i mean first deer kind of recognize a pattern a little bit and it was an early season deer but like okay i know this deer's in the area i need to do something about it because i know as soon as the crops come off this farm he's gone and you just kind of again a mature deer is a completely different type of animal compared to your three-year-old and you kind of have to hunt them on with that mind especially that time of the year like you, you can't be making any mistakes no and you know as you were talking about richie like this time of year you get a deer on a pattern you got to kind of go for it. But at the same time, you have to be careful because a mature buck right now is not moving. You know, they're, they're in an area because they're comfortable. They're content. They've got food, they've got water, they've got security. And unless they get bumped, they have no reason to move. They're fat and happy essentially. Right. And, and once these mornings get a little bit cooler and they start adventuring a little bit and then they get on their fall pattern, then their mind mindset starts to shift more from just pure survival to breeding. Mm -hmm. Right. And And with the annual, patterns that some of these deer have I, I honestly think that they move to these areas because they know either they know the area and the does in the area or they know when certain does are going to come into heat at around certain times and you know i've got in the last 10 years especially working for a trail camera company i have that luxury of instead of moving a camera Shit, just man, like, yeah, i'm just gonna put a camera up here right oh testing the prototype yeah. oh sweet it's cool I'll, I'll test that one i just i only need it for what the fuck are you seeing right now you got like live view video and shit on your deer well right now i'm not seeing a whole lot that this is the first season i've going into in probably 10 years where i'm not chasing a deer I have all right let's get back to 2012 2012 that was the first first legit one you're saying that yeah so that deer was the first year i really started to focus on again i switched switched gears from hunting deer to hunting a deer yeah right so that deer annual what i knew of the deer i knew that he was in this area in this particular area we had we own the cropland and like 15 acres of woods and it's it's kind of on an island it's surrounded by highways it's not a huge chunk by any means and uh, i i just knew from the year before i 
put a camera. Actually, intel from a friend and neighbor. It was like, hey, you have any cameras in this spot? Like, I just drove by there the other day, and there was a huge buck out in the field. I'm like, oh, never really <laughs> thought about hunting that area. You, you kind of overlook those small pockets. It was an overlooked yeah. spot. Yeah, exactly. Close to buildings? Yeah, very close. Ah, fucking motherfucker. You know. They're just, they're just dirty. They're well, that's dirty. And, uh, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but the, the biggest three bucks I've ever killed, all three of them, I was on stand. I could hear people talking. Do you think they were watching? Like, they would watch people. They had they probably. had the access route to the probably, property for sure. Like the, like the normal access route they probably had by wind or sight. Yeah, you know, and buck bedding in general. Like, what do they want? They want security, but they accommodate human pressure. Like we were saying before, right? Yeah, they control get freaks. To, they know they know what's pressure and what's what's normal pressure and what's hunting pressure, yeah. and as long as they can smell what's going on and they can see what's going on and they have an escape route from that area. They're going to be there. You know, how many mature bucks you stumble across and you never even know they were there, right? Or, yeah. or would stumble across oh, if you knew they were there. I think you about all the time, like, checking chuck cameras. I'm like, I wonder who's looking at me right yeah. now. <laughs> you know, growing you up, sick you learn that all the time. You know, I remember when I was a kid changing a flat tire on a manure spreader alongside of the road. We were we were there for an hour changing this tire, and all of a sudden I go throw the the jack in the back of the truck and makes a huge bang, and a 150-inch buck stands up out of the ditch 25 yeah. yards away from where we were for an hour. You know, like yeah. they just know they're comfortable there. Like how many people drive by there? And, and, and again, if he's sitting there watching you and he knows what's going on, he's fine. Mm-hmm. As soon as he feels like you're putting that extra pressure on him, he's yeah. gone. Ooh, sneaky Pete. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> Notice it a lot too, like getting into that time where they're starting to make, you know, maybe they're in places that you, they wouldn't normally be. Like I remember I've pulled over before and like glass up like a doe or something and all of a sudden a buck stands up and like bolts just because the car stopped, you know, mm-hmm. and he's probably there because of a doe or, or he's there all the time. It's just, they make it difficult on you, they don't do. they? They do. All right. Head so games. But 2012, right? So, yeah, I knew this deer was going to be there. All right. I knew he was he was there again, and I knew that the previous year he was gone the first week of October, and it, coincidentally, or just the fall pattern in general. But the crops came off of that farm, and, it, again, it was mostly row crop. So I knew I had to make a move early on him. And it was, I mean, it, it wasn't like a – dive into numbers and really pick this apart it was just a i knew the timing had to be now and you had to make a move and i mm. kind of went in after him it was a marginal wind and but you know, you look at a map and and there's only a few places you can bed in this area so you look at it and you go okay this is good for a north wind or a west wind or some combination of the two and there was a big front rolling in and i think actually the night before the wind switched it was a south wind for a few days and then uh like midnight or so it switched out of the north I'm like okay this is my opportunity to move so you in there hunted him with the idea that he's hunting in this area he's sitting in this area yep because he's betting with the north one in the morning yep yep exactly and then you know it's it, relatively textbook mindset you walk in there going he's betting in this area i think he's going to feed in this area i'm going to set up here where yeah. i can get in on him and yeah i mean it was it wasn't a, i mean it was crazy to me right when you're you have 197 inch deer within eyesight for an hour and a half before you actually get him in bull range it's it's a little intense i mean the yeah. the adrenaline from good, that though, too, you know? it is but like, like all right if you pull it together <laughs> yeah i would say yeah it probably call you did you think you call him down a little bit like I, I don't usually i don't usually get too worked up until after i pull the trigger yeah and for me it's it's one of those things that i can 
I can go back and shoot a squirrel. You know, I, I sat there until 10 o'clock this morning, and now I want to make sure I have my bow still on at the squirrel, my squirrel arrow. And, yeah. and as soon as I release that arrow, I'm like, hell yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. You know, or a doe is the same oh, way. Yeah, but, but for free. that deer. But you're also a confident guy, too, to where you know your equipment, you know you're yes. capable well, of making the shot, you've harvested deer, you know, like. Just graduating to the point where you're at of yeah 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 for sure and oh, that I mean that's a huge hurdle just like kill oh, some deer with your bow <laughs> yeah. you'll feel a lot better kill, sitting in a tree kill deer kill anything you can with your bow right yeah. and but more importantly just shoot your bow you know growing up I, I I was raised in a family where it was impossible to kill deer with a bow like that was the mindset like when a, when a cousin of mine stuck a deer with a bow yeah hardly ever found him but like. Oh, you oh, shot yeah. a deer with a bow. We spent all night <laughs> tracking. We never it? find it, right? We never find them. But it was just like, but again, that was that mentality. And even my friends back in, in that day and age, it was like, uh, you know, I'm gonna go out and if I can hit a pie plate at 20 yards the night before season, I'm I'm good to go. Wow. And then you kind of grow up and you start shooting more, and and you have a lot of fun shooting, right? Like shooting yep. a bow is a lot of fun, and it just pushes you to be better and then you hunt more and you have opportunities and it's kind of a cycle you, you want to be better opportunities you've ruined you opportunities or, yeah oh yeah you say yeah okay so so when it comes down to the back deer to, and the confidence you, you just back to back looking at them for an hour and a half yeah. yeah i mean yeah i just i watched this deer uh so prior to the actual hunt this the spot in particular in the area i killed him most of it's visible from the highway which is a problem in it of itself, right? Because of a big deer like that, anyone driving by, yeah. I mean, you can see a rack like that a quarter mile away, people stop and gawk. Yeah. But it was also an advantage. I went out there and I put a trail camera up that year. Uh, I didn't even put the camera out there until Labor Day weekend, actually. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things where I, I didn't really want to get in there too early. I knew what I wanted to do, and it didn't matter to me if that deer was there all summer. It mattered to me if that deer was there in September, right? Yeah. So I, I had that camera up uh, just just inside the woods on a, on the you know that stereotypical trail that kind of parallels the field edge, and a couple nights I went out there and I just sat in right at last light and glass the field. And I never once saw that deer with my eyes, but I would see this other buck. This is like decent sized three year old seven pointer that he was summering with. Yep. And then once in a while you'd see a few does. So I kind of just got a feel for where those deer were coming and going out of that field. And when I went in there to set up, yep, that's where I went. So have you gotten to the point where, sorry, I don't want to get off a tangent either, but I started getting to the point now or this summer where you, you, you would watch a buck and you'd know his bachelor group. Mm -hmm. And when you'd see his bachelor group on camera, you could almost assume that he was in the area at least. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say for sure. I mean, obviously it's not, I, I shouldn't say for sure. I would say you yeah. can definitely use that as potential information, yeah. right? Like it goes back a tool. to a, a tool. Exactly. I, I feel like if you lean heavier towards like he's here more than you think, you're probably in the better yes. situation anyways. Yeah, and I, I mean a, a, a key example of that and, again, to kind of lean back on what I was saying earlier, a trail camera only tells you what walks in front of a trail right. camera, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So the buck yeah, I shot. Yeah, you can't get stuck on thinking that's the that's that is the end result. Like. Yes, exactly. And the buck I shot a couple of years ago, Candyman. I mean, he he showed up and he walked right by the area that the camera was in, but he was just out of range. He was up up the hill from the camera. He never triggered the camera. But this other buck that he was with, this little basket eight pointer, walked right in front of the camera. So when I went back and looked at the pictures of that spot, that that eight pointer was on there quite a bit, <laughs> but not the big buck. You know, and, and again, those those deer they kind of they kind of understand that or they know something's up. So and they don't always use the same trail that most of the other deer use, which makes them harder to target. If you 
kind of have blinders on you focus on oh I, I can't hunt this spot unless this deer is here because he walks down this trail yeah so you, you have to take that information and use it you know understand it i guess so what buck were you, you weren't hunting candy man you were the story you were just talking about no that was a different deer oh okay yeah so and I get the last beer run, hopefully. <laughs> Got to wrap this puppy up so, at some point and keep these boys all night. So 2012, yeah, this deer came in. I mean, like I said, it, it, the, I don't think it's a real great, like, learning situation, but it just took a okay, long so time for that deer to work Okay, so I guess my question is, you say you had a north wind. Yep. So you, you went in with the idea. Your wind is cutting something close. So, so this, the spot explain your idea up. of bedding quick in this area. In hill country in yes, general? Yes, in hill country. Yep. So, uh, I mean, every deer is different, obviously. Right. But when you start... If you had to, like, plant your flag into, like, here's what kind of, like, what yeah. mature and that's do. I think that's the biggest thing that people need to understand hunting this area. Don't don't go into an area. Don't scout an area. Don't see bucks bedded. And, and like, get this skewed perception of where buck bedding is because you saw a two-year-old deer bedded there. Right. Just the other day, I went and checked a trail camera. Down on this bottom, it's just a little little pinch in the bottom where these deer cut across this dug road. It's easy access. I can drive up to it with my truck. So when I go back to hunt, like I'm hitting a couple of these cameras just to kind of see what's hanging out in the area. I check that camera. I go get back in my truck. A two-year-old buck jumps up out of this ditch on the side of the road and runs off. That's not an ideal buck bedding area, right? Like he's down in a hole. The only reason he was in there was maybe because it was windy. I don't know. Maybe he was feeding on yeah. an apple tree right now. You know, Two years old. Exactly. Like, you got to <laughs> yeah. think about that. He got bumped he out. Learned, of, he I also think a lot of time, like, this time of the year, you're, you're still going to start seeing them, like, the mature bucks are going to be like, no, you can't fucking be here, actually. Yes. So, like, get out of here. Well, that, And that's, yeah, that's know. part of it, too. But I, my ideal buck bedding or what I'm looking for, you know, again, a lot of times I'm, I'm hunting these areas. I'm, I try to stay out of them as much as possible because the pressure is so heavy. So I go in there. You know, maybe I'll shed hunt it once in a while, but I really don't find that many sheds on our farm because there's not a ton of great winter cover or winter food for them. So I can't base any information. God, on your farm that. sounds a lot like the farm I have to hunt around here. We're going to have to spend some time yeah. after this podcast. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of headaches. So you, get, you better get another case of beer. We'll drown we'll <laughs> our sorrows together. Let's well, just say Fuck every- you, man. You ain't had that bad of a life. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into your other stories. <laughs> Buck bedding, okay? Buck bedding. No, what I'm looking at is... You know, where can this buck bed where he's got the wind to his back mm-hmm. and he's got good vision in front of him? It doesn't take a lot of cover. I've learned that many times. I know. It's, I'm starting to get that too. It's like it, it doesn't take much. It takes the right down tree. You know, I've had multiple situations where I've been on stand and I can look into these areas because, again, our farm is not its not great deer habitat, to be honest with you. And, and the majority of the deer I'm killing are bedding on the neighbor's property. Don't mm. tell them. Right, but actually, it, it, they're in a good well, spot. Way, they would be <laughs> fucked anyways. Yeah. They yeah. they can't access. Well, it. that's exactly it. They're yeah. in these yeah. spots where they couldn't get to them because they'd blow them right out of there. And that's why those deer are there. You know, that, right. that's exactly sure, why those yeah. deer are there. And the, again, that's why the ideal buck bedding is going to be where they can smell everything behind them, see everything in front of them. But also, you know, if they're most of the time they're bedding on that upper third of the hill or like just down from the upper upper third of the hill, so they're using the contour and the topography as cover. Would you have you have you consistently found like I I refer to that as a military crest? Yep, yep, yep. That's if you get that you know enough of a flat spot right next to that tree. That's yeah, for sure. Right before it drops off. Yep, exactly. Because as soon as the sun comes up, those thermals are rising. You know, so yeah. they're they're taking say, the thermals in the face and they're getting the wind at their back. Tell me if this is if, if this is the best way to explain this. <clears throat> they sit in an area where the wind is acting like water coming from yes. behind them. 
Okay. And they're also sitting in an area that the wind isn't like the thermals are not they're over. So like if they were a little bit down, they would lose the water effect of the wind because the wind would send out over into well, the ditch. Okay. So now I back you up. If you're thinking thermals, I look at thermals like water. Thermals right. flow across the land like water. Wind does not. Because the wind, the winds, I mean, it does in some regard, I guess. But, you know, the thermals are very consistent. Yep. If, you, if you strip away the wind factor, thermals are very consistent, right? I'm saying in the situation, like where they are betting, they're getting the wind at the, where it's acting like water. Because once it gets over, once that drops off, it doesn't act like water. It sends out over into the yep. open. Yep. Yeah, a like, lot of times. So, yeah. They're, yeah, they're basically hitting that <clears throat> spot. The where, perfect spot. Yeah. Where the wind's coming from behind them, the thermals are coming yeah. in front of them, and it's almost like meeting and going yes. straight up, which is also one of the best spots you can set up to kill a deer, right? And that's what you're looking for, especially in a morning set in a, on a cold November morning. Unbelievable. A pinch, a nice it's pinch unbelievable. point. Just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. You get in there, and you don't... Once you see that, it's just like, yes. holy yes. shit. You drop that milkweed, yeah. and it just goes straight up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's finding that spot though too. You know, it's spending time in those stands where you're, you know, you're finding that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the same way, Connection. you know, early in the season, I've had a lot of success hunting low spots, like over a creek or something early in the season. Yeah, and that's something I need to get and back into. And the cold, into, the cold I'm... arrow dropping, but you have to be real careful early in the season. You know, it's a lot of guys want to get in stand early. You know, it's just like that mentality. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get settled and be ready. But if that buck's bedding on top of the hill and he's hitting that low food source at night and you walk in there when the sun's hitting that hill, he's going to smell you. Yeah. And he might not bugger out of there, but he's going to know something's up. And he's definitely not going to walk down there during daylight. So you kind of have to thread that needle and follow those shadows. Once those shadows start to hit that spot and the, and the air starts to cool down a little bit, you can slip in. But, I mean, some of the craziest yeah, that's what we're nights I've there. had. Oh, I didn't even yeah. kill deer. But one night, my best night ever was a low spot. I probably should have shot one of these deer. I mean, it was a mature buck, but it was just kind of a, a junk rack. And it was like the second week in the season. I think I saw 18 bucks early season. Oh, it's just like kind of a coincidence. I, you know, there's a bachelor group You're over here and a group over yeah. here, and they all kind of converged, and they went down this creek bottom, and all of a sudden they all came out, and they walked right underneath me, and I was set up literally looking down in this creek, and I'd throw my wind checker out there, and it just right, it hit that creek bed and just followed right down. I'm like, huh. You, you just you learn those things. And it's hard. You can explain it to someone. And then they'll kind of understand it, but until they actually are in the tree, yeah. yeah and they but see it took, that it took me so long to understand it. Like, but I don't know. I couldn't under. I couldn't. Different though. Yeah. Too, you know, you almost got to go in with the mindset. Yeah. You have Weston said he hasn't. Really, like, well, I so, get it because yeah, I understand the idea of it, but I just. So yeah, that's never, what I'm saying. Is like, if you if you think you look at the thermals, you got to see it, right? You look at thermals on the land. That's why the water analogy is kind of what I always try to explain and envision it. If you take you, you take like a, your old school's, you know, sixth grade science project diorama or something, right? So you have like this visible structure you can look at and you dump water on it and where that water yeah. runs, right? Yeah. That's exactly what those thermals do. Yeah. In the evening, they're going down when that air cools off. In the, in the morning, when the air starts to heat up, they're going up. So if you look at that in, in reverse, right, you're on a narrow ridge. And if you dump water on that ridge and it's going down both sides, well, then the next morning when that air heats up, it's going right back up it. You know, it's got to go somewhere, and that hot air just keeps on rising. And, and yeah, again, you got to just get out there, and once you see it, all of a sudden it'll just click. And you get in those spots. But you said every spot's a little different. And that spot in particular where I saw those bucks early season was at the mouth of a couple draws. And the year before, I tried to hunt. I actually killed a deer on, on October 4th, which I should have hunted the other day and kicked myself for that. But I killed a deer in that spot, and I went in there. I hunted it one day, and the wind was really swirly, and I saw this buck. 
and he was a hundred yards away and he knew something was up. And I just got out of there. And then in about 10 days later, I went back in there, moved about 20 yards, set up again. And I, I picked that day specifically because it was raining and there was almost no wind. I'm like, ah, if I'm going to kill this deer in this spot, I need pretty much no wind. I, mm-hmm. A rainy day, it's, it's dropping your scent. I was wearing rain gear. That's, you know, you're sweating in it, but it's basically a latex suit holding yeah. everything in. And I killed that deer. But then the next year, I was like, well, I wonder if I move another 20 yards that way, get a little bit further away from the mouth of this draw, what my wind's going to do. So I moved the stand over there one night and set it up, and I was like, well, this, I can work with this, right? Yeah. And then I think it was my next sit down in there. I had all that activity, and it just kind of proved that you know, all those deer came from essentially downwind to me, but my scent was just hitting that creek bottom and just flowing right with that water. It just worked it's out. It's the only way we can win. Yeah. Is if we figure these things out. Well, yeah. and that's exactly and that's it. And every it. you do have to figure it out because and it's I different in every <laughs> like the, the the principles and like the the I guess the law is similar. Like you you can go out and find these in your property. Yep. But finding them is is the issue. Well, you can understand it. It's just applying yeah. it to your hunting areas where it's like Okay, so let's let's yeah, let's let's wrap it back. So in the reason why I asked you about your betting idea is so in 2012 even north wind so your idea is i guess that he's he's bedded in in some type of um wrapping point yeah he was and, and again he's better than a neighbor so i can't tell you exactly where he's bedded but I right but you know like you know chunk. like the the land f- yep exactly features. you can like, look at a map you look at a topo yeah. map and a lot of times they're betting you know they're either betting on the military crest of the hill like you're saying or they're out on a point where if that wind shifts they can get they can just move 10 yards and they've got yeah. the wind advantage again but yeah so like when we talk about like the like a point like that like so think of a ditch um so think of a uh like a south facing hillside that moves into an east or west facing hillside the land feature that happens in that situation is what we're describing so those things were in that transition is the point that we're describing right yep Okay. Yeah, so, and, and then again, you know, that buck when he gets up, which most days he's not getting up until it's almost dark out, you know, that, that yeah. security cover of darkness, and then he's coming up through a low spot a lot of times. They'll drop down, they come up through a low spot, so he's get, catching those thermals, and he's got the wind and he's got the thermals in his favor. Which makes the initial setup tough because you sit in with normal wind and everything's yep, going to be swirling very much, there. and that's why you have to really consider, you know, what's that wind doing now? What's that wind going to do? I mean, how, how many days do we go out and sit and it's fairly breezy and then that last half hour of oh. daylight, the wind dies down yeah. to nothing. Just tossing milk. Yep. Like, All right, and the thermals doing? take over. So you really have to, you have to play the worst that. time yeah. ever. I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite setups and the setups that I've killed most of my deer in are 10 yards inside the woods, off yeah. of a food source. On one of those, you're finding a pinch point. You know, whatever that pinch point is. Is it a hole in the fence? Is it a tree that went down? Something that's going to push those deer. Or like a, a ditch in the head of it. A ditch that comes yeah, up. Like I love the... those those ditches or ravines that come up. And if I can set up just past those, that wind's coming. You know, my my wind's quartering almost at yeah. that deer. But now that deer's coming that last half hour of daylight. And my wind's basically hitting that ditch and it's going down. He thinks he's still getting it in the face. But he can't smell me because I'm just 10 feet. 10 feet mm-hmm. below his line. And that's, you know, the same thing that Annalise did when she killed hers. You're just off that line. That deer, they come in there with confidence like they've done 100 times. Yeah. They can smell it. It's almost like, field. okay, I'm going to try to explain this because this is something I've been working on where I've been, like, thinking, like, this is, okay, this is, like, the, the idea to, like, think about. So you have a high high ridge or something, okay? And if you set up on the side of that, so you have to, like, pick one or two sides, right? 
you set up on the side that you do not think that they're going to come from, hopefully. <laughs> um, and you let your thermals suck down into that. So, like, in this, in, the, in our farm right here, you see a ridge that runs down to the right here. If I set up on the last, like, so, like, the last ridge before bedding takes place, right? Before, like, deer movement takes place. And you let your thermals suck back into where you don't expect deer bedding, like, in a pasture or mm -hmm. whatever. And you catch all that movement coming out from like that next drop. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's an ideal setup for yeah. sure. As long as you understand where they're coming out, right? Right. If they come yeah, out that's a pain two drops ass. away, then by the time yeah, they're, they're not get, gonna get eyesight, to you. they're two hundred <laughs> yards out in the field. Man, wrong drop. Yeah, Ooh. I mean that's the name of the game, it, you know, especially when you're running and gunning, and you know obviously you kill some big deer and you get labeled the luckiest. You're, you're such a lucky yeah, hunter, Yeah, dude, right? you're a cheater. But okay. there's something about... So how'd you cheat in 2012? All right, let's get back to that hunt. There's something so, about walking in the woods. Is it apples? And, you know, with yeah. the information. <laughs> Actually, that... that you know, there's, there's a lot going on there. But, <laughs> you, you know, you go in the woods and you, you have to look at all those things, right? So especially when you're running and gunning, essentially, hanging a set every time you hunt there's something very addicting to going in there and going, okay, I'm here for a reason, right? I'm here because I know that, or I have a good idea that that buck could be here. You never know, right? Yeah. I'm going on this gut yeah. feeling that this buck is here and I'm going to come in. And here. if he's here, this is my best chance. So how, where's, what's my scent going to do the whole time I'm there? And so are you like an engineering background? Kind <laughs> <of>? <laughs> no, actually I, I went to school. Originally I went to college for wildlife biology and then I got into electronics and that's how I got the job with. So I think of this as like, it's kind of like an engineering type mindset where you're like, I'm going to just like do things and like figure out everything that doesn't work. And we're going to figure out what does work. Right. Like just like, yeah. I mean, there's, and a... it's like endless. Cause <clears throat> I don't know. So you, then, and then you have to like, and then I, the way I think about it is like, I have to like optimize the situation, right? Like what can I, how can I like try to like put this thing together that is like a consistent producer every year. Well, so right? one of the big things that I do and I, I always try and push on like every new hunter I talk to, everyone that asks me like, what can I do to get better? What can I do to get better? Like you, first and foremost, you have to understand how you hunt best, right? Like what are the things that you're good at? Your style. Cause, cause some people can't yeah. walk in the woods. Like I was getting at is like it, that rush that I get when I walk in the woods blind because of a certain deer in the area. And I pick that tree and, and that deer shows up and I whack this deer at 15 yards, right? Like that's that's what I live for is getting that intimate setup with a whitetail. But some people are, it'll take them a long time to do that, right? You can, not everyone's gonna be able to walk in the woods and just kind of have a feel for like, okay, this yeah, seems like a deer's gonna move at here. An advanced level of someone yeah, just yep. walking and be like, yeah, that's the tree. <laughs> but with like a, a scientific background in it, like what I've done for the last 10 plus years is I take. I wouldn't say meticulous notes, but I take notes every time I'm in the woods, yeah. right? So the the big things I always look at are what's the forecasted wind direction and the wind speed. And then once I get into the area and I'm noting what area I'm in, you know, the general area, and, and sometimes I try to be more specific, you know, I'm between X location and Y location by this draw, whatever. But I'm, I'm noting the forecasted wind direction and speed. And then when I get in there, I know what that wind's what actually, actually doing. What it's actually doing. And, and the temperature, too. Yeah. And you start to understand. And then after a while, you know, the notes just basically become a better way for me to remember stuff like that. I'm like, Oh, a Northwest wind. I think this deer, you know, this might be a spot I want to sit. And I know that on a North wind, my sense actually pushing 
dead yeah. west in yeah. this spot or yeah. something like yep. you know because the the contour in, in hill country like this the the lay of the land dictates how that air moves but sometimes all the time. that all that stuff comes down to trial and error exactly and it, you, it, know? you know most of the time it does yeah. for sure because yeah. there's a, there's a lot that goes into thermals that you know, that's an all-day discussion if you really want to look into it right like an open area it's an all-day discussion pool, yeah. it's going to pool don't, air don't differently than there. everything else don't but, go there, tell but that's what i'm saying is like you don't really understand it and it's hard <laughs> we have seven no more podcasts that could you guys explain that but you need to sign you up sign you a contract it's just a one-time subscription. Five, no, five easy payments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm saying is you got to take those notes, and the overwhelming majority of people that hunt are hunting the same farm most of the time anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Same which, spots. Same too. spots, which is a, is a huge advantage if you learn it and you understand it and you don't burn that farm out before you actually gain good information from it, right? So don't just go hunt it because it's the weekend you have an opportunity to hunt, right? Go in there because you have purpose or actual reason that deer is there I you think, have to i think he's here i think yeah. he's going to go there and pay attention to the wind all the time i always tell these guys wind is king right the wind is king there is no way around the wind you can't even if you could effectively block your scent with ozone in the tree and all the scent control in the world the wind is still dictating what that deer did this morning what that deer is going to do tonight yeah. what he's going to do tomorrow he lives his life based on what he can see and smell. And that, that's how a deer operates. And if you think you're going to beat that, then you're just kind of going down this path that's not really leading to success. It might make you feel better because you got in the stand and a two-year-old buck was downwind to you for 15 minutes and it was great, right? It's always fun to have an encounter with a deer at an intimate bow range like that. But that's not going to kill deer. Especially you think you're beating their nose, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, it didn't even get me. Yeah. Oh, Good thing I took that shower. And it, and it does happen. I mean, you'll have that all the time. Nose the jammer. Yeah. Jam the fuck out of that nose. Yeah. Because deer love the smell of vanilla. <laughs> it's like, just take some sugar cookies out there. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap Let's wrap bow on everything. Um, share, I guess. This, okay, so how can we... How can you explain, I guess, that night that you killed in 2012? Were you just off wind? Or how, explain how you set up that night, like with the wind, with knowing where you thought he was bedded. Obviously, he was bedded there because he came out of there. Yeah. So, okay. So, 2012, I killed a 197-inch deer. 2015, I killed a 170-inch deer. And 2017, I killed a 214-inch deer. All, all right. in very He's doing all right. All in very, very similar shit. Just because they're all very similar <laughs> setups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's... when you start to look at a map, and you and and again, great it's way like, to wrap <laughs> it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> we Don't get it. All right. <laughs> but again, it's all like you start to you start to understand things. You start to look at it. And again, you, you, you're going there because you kind of have an idea, right? You can't just yeah, go there and hunt it because this yeah, is a spot. Well, you obviously figured out. something out. Yeah. Exactly. And every single one of these deer was very similar situation. It was a, a north northwest wind somewhere in there. And the way that the hill, the contour of the hill ran, these deer, you know, you assume they're bedding down from you and they're working up towards the food into the wind with that wind somewhat hitting their face coming off the food source. And that's really what it is. And you don't want to set up all the time on a food source unless it's a small food source, right? Because those bucks want security. And in 2012, the food source was a 100-acre alfalfa field, right? That's not a field that a, yeah. a six-year-old deer is going to walk out into. It's hard to pinpoint, yeah, the even where thing. they're coming out at. Yeah. Exactly. And it was essentially the same thing in, in 2015, and 2017, they're they're hitting these smaller spots. They're browsing their way out 
into the destination food source at dark, but you're setting up just far enough in the woods and close enough to bedding. You know, in, in, in 2017, that deer, I honestly think I was probably less than a hundred yards from where he was bedded. No, that's, that's but a I good shot feeling. him at like 425 PM or something. Oh my God. He's and, just moving. Well, I honestly think that was a climber. And I honestly think that he may have heard something like, with the climber and just got curious. And again, he worked his way towards me and he thought he had the wind in his face the whole time. And he did. I was just, you were just blowing it down the ditch in yep. front of him. And then in 2015, it was a fairly similar situation. That was later in the season. I had kind of had an idea where this buck was bedded and it was a really windy day. And I just, every time the wind would die down, I'd rattle a little bit and rattle a little bit. And when that buck got up on his feet, he came basically on a line to where I was. What day was that in the air? It was, uh, that was actually November 12th. Oh, that was 170 inch one. Yep. Yep. But the other two were early, early. In yeah. Morning. I was going to say that. The, so the, um, the next one was, that was early in the season too, right? Yeah. T- uh, 2012 was September 21st. And 2017 was September 17th. All right, so 17 was a, obviously you got over the 200 inch club. Congrats! <laughs> Must have been kind of annoyed with 197. Like I'd be pissed <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, it was like, a dang, almost there. <laughs> almost there. I'm like, all right, guy, what do you need to get paid? I mean, to add three inches to this fucking. I mean, the thing? best the, the the best thing about that that deer it, it could have been a 140 inch deer, but I was that deer actually just changed the way I hunted because I focused so heavily on following one deer you know i up until you know i was following deer for three or four years yeah and a few years before that i was trying to track these deer you know i'd I'd focus on hunting one deer and i'd focus on hunting another deer and and learn more about it but when that deer came around it was just obviously an obsession because you have a i think he was 170 ish inches as like a four-year-old and i'm just like okay i need to figure this out i need to figure this deer out Mm -hmm. but he would disappear you know, again, the annual pattern, he'd be around for a while and then he'd disappear for a while. And then you just lose your marbles going, you know, thinking, where's this deer going? Where's this deer going all the time? But you know, at the end of the day, they're all, they all operate the same way, right? The, the bedding, they want that security and, and it just comes down to the amount of pressure that's on them and where they feel secure and where they're going to they hang out. In this area, the hill country, there's so much food. Yeah. Right. You, well, yeah, you have a mix of farm and hill. Yeah, I mean, putting a food plot in, you're not attracting deer because you're providing a food source. You're attracting deer because you're providing a secure food source, right? You're providing yeah. a food Staging source that's area. out of sight that they, they feel comfortable in because uh, you're smaller plots and, and whatnot. But if, if you don't put that food plot in this year, those deer aren't going to starve. Yeah, oh, you know yeah. I mean? it's not like you're yeah. you're out west where they irrigate a field. And you know, like the muley you killed. Those deer I think the legitimate food, food source thing. The only thing comes. The only time it comes into play is late season around here because we do have just a mass exodus of food. Yes. And if you have something late, then yeah, you it's might like get a stage. You know, a little staging area before they go to the big field. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like all the other deer are usually on the big field at certain times, but it's just like, hey, I'm gonna chill here till the end. Yeah. Then I'll be there. Well, we got a lot more to talk about. <laughs> more podcasts. Boy, we Must just be scratched had. the surface. We just, if yeah. We're yeah talking, I mean, if we're talking hunting, mm. we just scratched the surface. Oh, well, yeah. It's I easy mean, to get sidetracked. Yeah. For sure. A lot of rabbit holes today. So, if you enjoyed this podcast, you go ahead and, and send us some questions. You guys 100% committed to coming back on? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got them uh, in. Got a proof now. Uh, might not be till after hunting season. It won't be after it will it will be okay. like it will wait. Okay. So we'll have another round of uh, in the off season of something it like this. Start at noon. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit. I mean, you're, you're just going to cut this all down. Yeah. Like Ten minutes, right? No, we don't cut it down. What do we got? What would you do? We're at an hour 40 right now. Jeez. It's not bad. It's impressive. Yeah. But easy to do when you're talking. Oh, about we could go a lot longer. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. You know, you can, you can pick apart every situation. And that's kind of how I, that's, that's kind of how I That's operate, how you have to right? think. Like, yeah. You have to look at it. Like I was saying earlier, like every single variable, if you can control one of those variables, that's one thing you can take off the plate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're a little bit less stinky. You're, you kind of understand what the wind's doing in that area. You know what the pressure is, everything. You know, in, if you're going to kill a deer in this area with the amount of pressure we have in, in our farm, it's, you know, 90% of our neighbors are Amish. So it's pressure all the time. Jeez. Oh, you know, what do you do? I'm going to get started with that too. Yeah. <laughs> But I think with hunting, it's just like you can invest whatever you want into it. Yeah. You can be like, hey, I'm just going to pull the horseshoe card. Yep. And you get back what you put That's in. That's my spot. Oh, sometimes it takes 10 years. But it I mean, it is life. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a microcosm of life. Like, yeah. you want to be, you want to go crazy and be the best or try to be <laughs> well, the best? You can go crazy. You I'm go crazy. If you want to think that you're not doing anything wrong and for some reason you're just unlucky you're you're gonna be unlucky for the rest of your life <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like there's a lot of people like think about the people who've hunted like they hunt for 20 years and it's just like i don't, I don't know what i'm just gonna hang wrong. out here but this is the way that we do it and then you have the guy that he's he has 10 head mounts on the wall in 15 years and he's yep. hunted the same stand every single year yeah you know what i mean it's just like every situation is different there's a lot of ways to kill deer you know, you you going out into public land and humping it through a swamp to kill a deer, or are you busting your butt during the summer and putting in food plots and staying out of a, a property that, you know, your other job paid yeah. for, right? There's a oh, lot yeah. of ways to kill yeah, deer. Yeah, I always, I always say, like, there. I don't understand. I, I, I guess I understand it, but I, I think it's misplaced, um, like, anger, I guess, at, like, the public land hunters and the private land hunters. It's like, dude, I'm the fucking same way as you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a psycho about something else. I'm a psycho about like watching this property grow, watching like how can I improve the soil health, like how can I improve like all this other shit. Like there's there's tons of stuff and like public land, I can I definitely understand your mindset. I get it. Yeah, I'm a control well, I freak. I have mental of, problems, so like it's, it's more difficult for me. Same you, <laughs> you want to go down, you know? What do you want? What do you want to get out of hunting? Yeah, you know what I mean. Do you want to? You want to grow? A big buck on a small piece and and do kind of what you're trying to do yeah what are you interested in are you interested yeah. in like the agricultural side yeah you know, like grow the biggest buck you possibly can on a small piece or have a bunch of land that you manage and grow the biggest buck or go on public and be like i'm just gonna send it yeah and be first decent jacked yeah. with whatever i get and there's know? nothing wrong with either I, of them right? no and it's just i like, i go on public just because like i'll be like ah, that knob just looks fucking awesome yeah I'm going to go see if there's a buck that's But I never have time to hunt it because I'm going to hunt my private. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, oh, it seems like way too much work to go up there. It but, is. It's tough. But you also have to understand, like, your level, too. Correct. And not, yeah. not, not necessarily your skill level because uh, there's a lot of, you know, relatively amateur hunters that are very skilled. But don't, you know, don't hold off on a three-year-old if you've never killed a three-year-old. You know what I mean? Don't hold off on a yeah. on a nice book if if, if that's what I'm going through right now. Like I don't know if I'm to the point yet where I know I can let a at least four plus buck walk yeah. because this rack isn't to where I want it because I've never been there before. I kicked myself two years ago, yeah, 2018. It would have been the first deer I ever killed that I passed up in a previous season. I passed him up two years prior. He was like a little nine pointer, three year old nine pointer. 
the next year I tagged out early, so I never really had an opportunity. But I picked up his sheds, like very few sheds I pick up. I picked up a match set, and he was a 142-inch eight-pointer. You know, so he's a nice deer. You're like, yeah. Yeah, and the next year I was I was hot on the trail of this buck I was after. I had history with him, and he wasn't a bigger scoring deer. He's just an older deer. Yeah. Like right now my game, like once you spend some time in, you know, I was sent you that text the other night. I was like, you know, just being in the presence of a mature deer and watching them is, is rewarding. History, like yeah, history, yeah, the oh, history. It's like, it's a, it, that's the high. Like, that's why I, I don't even know if I'm going to shoot this one yet, but like, I want to know I can. Yes. You know, like just be in the presence exactly. of them. Yeah, for sure. And I just kind of like, I had it in my mind that I wanted to kill this deer because he was the oldest deer on the, on the property or he wasn't really living on the property, but he'd come through there from time to time. And like, I just kind of wanted to kill that deer. And this buck came through, and I thought he was younger. He had a real, like, lean frame or body for what he yep. was. But he was a 160-inch nine-pointer. <laughs> he had, like, a 13-inch brow tine. And I passed him up at 35 yards. I got some, I got some decent video of him, but I'm just like, You're cool. Yeah. Hey, you're cool, man. <laughs> but the only, no, the only reason I passed him up is because I knew where he spent a lot of time, especially when the pressure was on. It was the one of these Amish neighbors that I actually work with quite a bit, and he's, he's all for passing up young deer if he knows bigger deer around and i in early in the season we had a discussion he's like yeah you know that that buck was in our our valley the whole time during gun season i passed him up i'm like if he if this deer survives another year he's going to be something special yeah and that's the only reason i passed he's like ah yeah i won't shoot him yeah and then he calls it was literally the next day the next day (laughs) after i passed him up he calls me and he's like uh he's like i didn't know it was him (laughs) i knew it was right away he's like so I shot a buck. Yeah, because he the, he was just out yeah. of con- yeah. the buck was out of control like yeah. daylighting and hey, do you yeah. know that yeah. thing is yeah. 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 just out of curiosity. But, but the worst part, that? like going back to like your level, knowing your level that you're at, and just your own expectations. Like everyone should hunt for God their own it. expectations. Speaking of that, I just thought of a buck I had last year that I have not found back yet. Well, my, and he was a three year old, and I bet he was pushing like one forty. I was like, you need to go sit in a hole somewhere because you were on my cameras way too much. Like well, for a month, this deer. I mean, that kid killed him, and I wasn't mad. I was more mad at myself because yeah. I probably should have shot him. But I'm like, dude, that's by hey. far the biggest deer you've ever killed. Like, you yeah. should be happy about it, yeah. right? Absolutely. And that's that's exactly it. But no, what you're saying though, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm there's a, a buck that I don't know if he actually survived or not because I had a trail camera stolen last year that had all my information from late season on it. So I don't know if he survived. But I'm kind of last year he showed up. On this corner of the farm, I think like October twelfth, fifteenth ish, somewhere in there, and they kind of make that. Mid-October well, that's what I'm kind of hoping that this deer yeah. is like a late arriver because, like, I remember like noticing him later in October and November. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ, fucking thing is a three <laughs> like tiny body, giant rack. I'm like, hope you make it next oh, year. God. That's a. That's why I'm always in the area. I'm always so torn. It's like, and you know, too, like once you see him, like, you know, like no matter what you talk yourself into, like I'm kind of going through this. Like, why? I'm like, are you even, what are you? And yeah. then it's like, yeah, you're, yeah, when your you're gut mature, tells you that you're young. Yeah. yeah. It, but yeah. again, you know, and if, like, you know, a three-year-old, like if a, a buck comes guy. in and it gets you just jacked up, fucking shoot it, man. And my, my big thing is if you're excited about it yeah. and you're going to be excited to tell everyone about it then shoot it, what drives me nuts and I deal with it with my own family is they kill a deer and then it's all excuses. Oh, I probably shouldn't have shot that deer. Like definitely said that. It's, though. A, it's a great, yeah, <laughs> it's a great. Well, Richie, stop saying it. I fucking a, hate that shit, yeah, man. Like, wow. Don't 
Just you know it. you wanted to shoot yep. it during the time. Just own it. And Just be proud it. of it. It is what it is. It and it's awesome. It. Bro, you fucking, especially, you killed one. Like, sweet. There's, I don't care what, what farm you're on, mm. and I get it. They're superstar three-year-olds. It's awesome. No matter what, like, there probably is only, you know, like one out of 100 three-year-olds that turn into 200-inch bucks. Yeah. And, yeah, they can't get there unless, if they get shot, but. Yeah, and it just again, it is what it is. I'm not going to kill a three year old if I've killed a dozen. Yeah, you would say that, man. You shot two. <laughs> I've shot three year olds. I've shot lots of three. Well, you shot two two hundred inches. They were only three. Well, I'm... they were only three years old. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna wrap it up. Weston, anything you want to say, or any questions you have for them? We're we're gonna have we have to leave something for another episode. <clears throat> I know. And for the rest of the season. All right. You got questions for these guys. You send them in, and they will be on again next week. No, I'm just <laughs> They'll be on again. Uh, thanks for listening this long. We're probably going to get stuck talking more after this, but you will not get to hear it. <laughs>